0: The kind of communication you're forming, your lyric, your music that, that you're trying to communicate to the people, to the external world. Well, I think basically we're just trying to like point out all the all the stupidness and uh, just just anything in general that uh, comes across as being odd. But uh, you know, we try and keep everything on a positive note. But uh, I think we like to deal with all all the all the darker side and all the you know the weirder things and even dabble in politics, just you know general things that are quite harsh and uh, but you know. We just present it as a, as a thing that, like, yeah, you can do something about it. You know, you don't have to, like, uh, live in gloom and doom.
1: Hello and welcome to another rip-roaring episode of Pod Like a Hole Presents run the gamut in season three. We talk about our favorite bands and artists and albums in random order. And all of those were nominated by your three intrepid hosts, Mark, Steven, Eric. This is Mark. And tonight we've landed on frontline assemblies, 1994 record millennium nominated by Eric and, uh, Eric, I think you get to sit in the captain's seat tonight and I'll man the helm. As our yes. science officer, Steve, will man the uh, ones and twos.
2: It's a big night. I'm wearing my big boy pants tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty hopefully,
1: good.
3: Hopefully you can high step in those big boy pants. Big <laughs> big, big knees.
4: <laughs> big yes. knees taking oh, yeah. big steps. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kicking.
1: There's zippers on those big pants. There's, uh, like, these suspenders that are keeping the left and right leg um, hooked together.
3: What are the... Uh, well i never understood that never understood the the pant the, the the coveralls but they're not coveralls they're they're hanging below your ass look um and also eric are, are what's that dance move called with the high knees does that have a, a name
2: i'm sure it does i i i am sorry i don't know just it's a stomp right it's a it's a swamp stomp i have, I have no clue no clue
1: um and uh, it's uh Definitely a popular move with those that like to gather underneath uh, freeway overpasses. Um, really, just work out their aggression and angst in the middle of the day.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, it's uh, just like that scene in *Righteous Gemstones*.
4: Uh, <laughs> yes. I was say it.
3: If, you, if anybody wants to know what we're talking about, you, you could you could toss out every uh, music video from any industrial yeah. artist into the dumpster you don't need to visit any live videos of any bands that are of the, uh, EBM genre or EDM, whatever the hell, just watch righteous gemstones and watch the episode where the, uh, industrial Satanists have a dance off and you'll, you'll get the point.
1: One of my favorites on the internet that is, uh, alive and well is there is a excellent Twitter account called people dancing to steely Dan. Um, it's, uh, from the brainchild of this woman named Grace Spellman. And she takes random gifs or gifs, however you want to pronounce it out there. And she uh, marries it to a Steely Dan song. Anyways, there is an excellent, excellent uh, uh, graphical interface uh, thing that is going along with a Steely Dan song of what we just characterized. These goths getting together and just throwing down that's right and it fits perfectly
3: <laughs> i want to take a minute here and go on record let's take a stand uh we are a we're a gif podcast we're a gif family gifs not GIF. no we call them gifs here that's it
2: yeah I've yeah jif is, is a peanut butter
4: yeah yeah i've made the exactly. decision
3: moving moving forward it's going to be called gif i'm going to hold you both to this thank you
1: i'm okay with that because that's how i see it too because gif stands for graphical graph and so like gra yeah not graphical.
4: yeah
3: (laughs) well yeah i mean how many i mean the (laughs) only time anybody ever says the letter g like a j is a weirdo that spells his name jeff g-e-o-f-f yeah and um i can't i don't trust those people anyhow so that's true
1: they need to be put on a national registry if you ask me
2: Uh, while we're making official stands, do we do we need to make our uh, Marilyn Manson uh, statement?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so for me, um, you know, some of these allegations are not surprising. And at this point, he's not been tried in a court of law. So I have to say allegations because I don't want any of Marilyn Manson's attorneys scraping the Internet and finding where um, any sort of defamation. I don't want a Dominion thing happening to me. Thank you very much. Dominion. Um, But uh, uh, allegedly, you know, we all know that he uh, loves his shenanigans when it comes to And I don't mean that shenanigans in a lighthearted way I mean it in a kind of more of of an abusive way So on record, I'm not disowning the man saying that I'm throwing out all of his records But I can say that it is going to be very hard to listen to his music Um, At least in the near term And, uh, yeah, it's kind of disgusting. And, you know, one of our main inspirations for this show was Trent Reznor and Trent Reznor himself said, yeah, we've definitely fucked that guy. And, um, it's not a proud moment to maybe if you look back on our, uh, back catalog, we definitely gave Marilyn Manson a lot of, uh, time energy. And I will still say his records are still strong and I will always hold a, uh, a a space in my heart for his music, but for the person, um, I need to disassociate myself from the, the terrible person that he likely is. And, um, it's just, uh, it's not great for music and it's, it's certainly, you know, um, it's, it's disappointing at the highest order. I don't know what you, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I don't have the nostalgia for him, so I can see how that that does make it hard. Um, but I do, you know, I like songs and he's intertwined with a lot of music I do love. Um, but you know, his claim that he's no stranger to controversy and always just, you know, even in his relationships is doing scary things. Okay. But that doesn't change the fact that, you know, allegedly people got hurt and, uh, women, you know, women got hurt and, you know, uh, also allegedly creepy things happening. Like, filming girls up their skirt without them knowing and stuff like that uh isn't just you know it's not it's not just boys being boys that's predatory behavior right there um but we we did consider taking the old marilyn manson episode down but i think that's some real you know there's some good music critique on
3: there nobody nobody considered that you fucking texted it i would that's asinine to me
1: i mean i mean the only reason i would it's not because i'm getting behind uh you know, the whole thing of cancellation, canceling him forever, you know, I'm not gonna put him in that category quite yet. Um, but it like I had mentioned, it's just very uncomfortable. I didn't want anyone out there to think that we were siding with the man. That's <clears> the <throat> only reason <laughs> that, I brought that, it up.
3: That's yeah. where this stuff like, yeah, no, he's he's garbage and I'll never if he puts out any new music, I doubt I'll be attracted to it and I don't see myself uh, reaching for his albums anytime soon i can't say in the rest of my life i'll never listen to one of them but I, it's doubtful and i you know I, I believe the abusers and uh you know that's yeah that if walks like a duck it sounds like a duck quacks like a duck whatever the hell the, the, the saying is i mean no one's surprised here but i don't think you need to go through and go through your history of every time you commented on someone and scrub it that just seems irritating Yeah, i
1: do agree with that
3: i my, do yeah uh, I, 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 I just i just bristle at it i just it yeah 100%. you got to draw a line you can say yep with these things i've seen now this is garbage and i hope a car hits him but that doesn't mean i need to get the fucking uh um uh sunshine uh, eternal sunshine the black sharpie out yeah. yeah i don't i don't need to you know have my mind erased yeah it's uh you, yeah, there's no reason to travel oh. through time and correct yourself in the past when you didn't know of the things that happened
1: Sure. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if anything, the only reason that hit me, it was like, you know, someone who's stumbling across our podcast for the very first time, you know, Googling um, Marilyn Manson, but that's what I, that's what I see us. And then we're just kind of like fawning over the guy. And of course they could hopefully have the nuance to look at the date when we recorded that versus what it is now. Well, Mark. I only, I only wish it was that easy to get new listeners.
3: (laughs) Uh, never heard anybody right. Exactly, <laughs> rising tide lifts all boats. If you find our yeah. show because you're you're looking for any uh, news on a terrible human being, well then, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd rather not even waste any more time on him. But uh, it's it's disappointing. He's he's a trash human being, right? Uh, that happened to surround himself with uh frankly probably people that were more talented than he was, and it just all worked out for him. And he took that. Uh, success out on others. It's unfortunate.
4: Yep.
1: Yeah, it is really unfortunate. I mean, uh, and I, I, us here at Pod Like Hole, we obviously uh, believe people that are, have been abused. We never look uh, skeptical eye at it. Um, it's just one of those situations where we just wish that it was all done in the name of trying to create this uh this character this image for him to sell more records and not having to actually have this being happening in reality that's uh it's very disappointing
3: it's just it's strange too that whole um well not strange i guess it's just it's almost so predictable uh warren ellis the comic writer that i like that we've all read before he had not as extreme um it, it, it the same accusations against him they weren't as extreme weren't as violent but they were still the whole like uh using their success to uh hold it over others heads for sexual favors and also doing this whole thing where they meet a woman for one day and they say oh my god i'm so in love with you knowing that since you're a star having a star say that to someone who is not famous lack of a better term here that's going to uh you know the uh, fuck up fuck up their uh i don't know the way they look at you i don't know where i'm going here what i'm going where i'm going here is these creeps all seem to pull from the same playbook and it seems yeah. so predictable in hindsight but all these guys like you know these these people that are not wired correctly they get a little bit of success and what do they do they try to use it to get laid more and also uh you know the uh, up the psyche of other people it's just it's it's exhausting. No,
1: it's, it's just It is uh, exhausting. Yeah. I mean and and that reminds me I better go back and re-edit our social network episode where we said army hammer uh, the, the actor <laughs> of our lifetime and generation nothing could possibly go wrong there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just listening to him talk makes me hungry. Yeah.
3: Exactly. I haven't even I haven't even dug into his whole thing. I don't even
1: I, I God, I have only looked at surface level things and I'm just like, I don't think I need to go any deeper. So I'm good there too. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: <exactly. laughs> uh, all those Lone Ranger fans are bummed out right now.
1: Oh, I know. My God. What if like <laughs> those Lone Ranger fans, I mean, J Depp and Army Hammer in one movie? Wow. <laughs> All right. Disney is already like uh, "Song of the South"ing that one.
2: <laughs> Splash Mountain. It, it was uh, remodeling Splash Mountain to be a uh, to be Lone Ranger. Okay. Well,
1: retroactively, they were thinking about uh Big Thunder Mountain Railroad to be a Lone Ranger ride. But good lord, there is some brows being wiped thinking we have <laughs> dodged a bullet. What is what is what is
3: Splash Mountain now? Besides, it's, you know, shuttered it, because of COVID. But what's it uh... is
1: going to turn into a Princess and the Frog ride? Oh, that's right. But I that's like going to. That coming down the, the pike a little bit later that'll be yeah.
2: nice that'll
3: be i nice. mean if you guys just want to keep going let's <laughs> who else got canceled this week yeah. oh on, <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum uh, that chick from star wars uh <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> oh man but don't worry she's uh fighting for the rebellion with uh, uh ben shapiro all yeah. of, <laughs> three foot ten to yuma
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: that's fantastic thinking uh, he can play any walk it's right there in the-
2: so shall we shall we jump so we shall we jump into the the topic tonight
3: yes let's get let's it again. so frontline it. assembly is millennium yeah.
2: yes millennium so let's,
3: let's see here recent podcasts that we've done talking about music uncle acid sisters of mercy nick cave behemoth and now this we're really just everything just keeps going work side life it seems
2: that's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. In the shadows, we've been creeping in the shadows now for months. So we'll Killing see. Killing joke. Killing joke's another yeah. one. Yeah. We'll see where the dice yeah. rolls us after this. But we have definitely been been hiding in the shadows. Uh, so this particular album I, is a is a new one for me. Um, we talked in we our big three industrial episode. We they were kind of like an honorable mention. Um, back in the '90s, when I was listening to industrial, they were a band that might pop up on my cleverly named industrial revolution <laughs> compilation CDs that I would you know find for two dollars at a at a record store um and uh, that could for, be that
3: could be a whole episode in itself discussing and in bad industrial
1: compilation albums because that
2: yeah. was like, a hot industry just <laughs> the <laughs> artwork alone yeah yeah uh, but gold, uh, gold, gold, that gold was a
1: game of battleship I tell you hit in <laughs> <and> miss Cleopatra
2: <laughs> Cleopatra records they oh just yeah loved oh, yeah. them. Yeah. And it would often be the same compilation, just with different artwork and a different title, but the exact same songs, like the same thirty songs they had the rights to.
3: Yeah. And then if yeah. it, and then if it was a different compilation, it was the same you know, fifteen artists doing those different thirty songs.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, for whatever reason, back then, uh, you know, when I had my Nine Inch Nails and Skinny Puppies and KMFDMs and Ministries, um, you know, it didn't bother me, but it just it also just never clicked with me um then of course you know pretty much since we started this podcast i've like i just just an industrial head again uh or you know rivet head as we like to call it i it's like literally listen to 90 90 percent of the music i listen to is is just i've been just mining the history of industrial and and now i'm i'm, I'm absolutely crazy about them but yeah i didn't didn't have I any love experience. i love that i love that breakdown though
3: of our pod. i mean that if you just want to give a high
2: level description of our podcast
3: for what you know, these three guys that talk, it's uh, Eric these days is 90% industrial, Steve is 90% metal music, and Mark is here comes the easy joke 90% you uh, <laughs> too.
1: great, that sums up the whole show. Hey yep. man, I need uh, I need just nothing but bare shirt, no shirt on, and arms spread out like Jesus Christ when you're singing. I mean, I'm sorry, but uh. Have you heard of this band called Creed? They're really something. They <laughs> <No. laughs> give
3: you that
2: in every song. It's great. Ugh,
3: unfortunately, you're not going to talk about Creed tonight, but I will bring up another
2: terrible band later that was around the same era. Oh, mm. boy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So we'll plant that seed. So I didn't have any experience with this one until the last few years. Um, I didn't pick this because it's my favorite Frontline Assembly album. But I did but what think would you be... be your
1: favorite Frontline Assembly album, if you think? If uh...
2: Uh, I'll, I'll get into the description of it, but my favorite Frontline Assembly album is uh, Caustic Grip.
1: Uh, I, f- um, I figured you'd say that, yeah. Yeah,
2: that that one, uh, just from their, you know, w- when their early electro-industrial, uh, when they finally discovered they could sing hooks and everything kind of came together, uh, that that would be that. But we'll talk about that in a minute. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Um, but this one is important. And I'll explain why in a minute, um, just in the history of the genre and kind of the waves that it caused when it came out. Um, but what about you guys? Do you have any history with this band?
1: Mark, you go first. Um, Not really. I mean, um, when I started working at the record store, um, The manager that I had at the time, she actually um, would put in uh, Frontline Assemblies, I think it was out in 98 or 99, I'm not sure, top of my head, sorry, uh, was the album Implode. And I uh, really was attracted to a lot of the melodies, a lot of the hooks, and that was around the same time I was also getting into Skinny Puppy. So it was was certainly a neighbor of that. had already been getting into I already had gotten into KMFDM and ministry courtesy of Steve as we were discovering kind of those big three um, as we were looking around the periphery of what is uh, around nine inch nails because nine inch nails, there was such a big five year drought of of new music. So we were just looking around for other other music at that point. But uh, Frontline assembly was uh, a band that I always had passing interest in. Um, because of their association um, with Bill Leeb's association, rather, with uh, Skinny Puppy. So everything around the industrial music community, there was a lot of, I'm in, you know, work on this record, and then um, they have roots in this band, and they've also worked with that band, and then it's easy to go down a rabbit hole. Um, But that was my first impression of Frontline Assembly, and I'm still just at a surface level with this band. I don't know a lot of the, the history. I don't know a lot of their um, uh, ebb and flow. I, I don't know necessarily if Bill Lieb is the, pretty much the, the primary member. It sounds like he is. And um, everything I've heard past Implode where they really are embracing their electro um, synth sensibilities with a lot more atmospheric melodies that's kind of where I really appreciate this band. So listening to this particular record where there is a lot of guitars and guitar samples, it does remind me of some of the work that skinny puppy did on the rabies record, um, with Al Jorgensen, and ministry, just bringing in a more aggressive, harder edge sound, um, by still having a lot of percolating synths. Um, but Frontline Assembly, you know, when I first heard of them, I would often confuse them with the other band that had the word front in it, and that'd be Front 242. also yeah, a great yeah. band
2: also a great band they're they're more like a dancey ebm type band but they're fun belgium
1: i wonder if they ever toured together frontline assembly and front oh, 242 they, on the they front had to. tour front yeah. uh, they
3: remixed they've they really remixed each other but who didn't yes, yes that's true yeah
4: but
1: that's right,
3: my history about, with them what about you steven i am a um i'm not a super fan i'm, I'm more i'm a little more than a casual fan i think uh back back when we were younger i i was fascinated by them quite a bit and um i i i got into them around the time of flavor of the week but i I really really implode was the one where i really really they they knocked me over and i started paying more attention to them and uh, the album right after implode i liked a lot i think it was called millennium no that's this one i'm sorry uh century epitaph epitaph sorry um and yeah those are both different than this record uh frontline assembly they have they have like phases they stick in for a while but they always sound like the same band and um yeah the, the the era this is from though i i was a big fan of it because i was a huge fear factory fan as a teenager and uh early adult and rise Fulver produced some fear factory and uh they were label mates on roadrunner for a minute and uh you hear a lot of fear factory on millennium but uh no i i like i like frontline assembly they have like 17 albums i think i might have bought six or seven of them i think i've listened to the majority of them all once at least on the streamings and uh actually they you know My favorite work of theirs is is when they released in 2014 uh, Echo Genetic. Uh, they still they still make pretty good music today some some I mean they, they almost released an album a year it seems like kind of is a detriment to them um, oh they've been around for like what 30 years so I guess that's not true but 17 albums not every one of them you got to write home about but the hit rates good enough to where I consider myself a fan
2: so yep there you go nice yeah 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 uh, there's a some albums are better to listen to as a whole than others, but every, like I looked through my little playlist because I, when I was getting into them, I would just, any song that caught my attention, I'd put on a playlist and I have at least one song from every every release on there. Um, so there's there's gold there's gold to be found in there. Yeah, but, if,
3: you, if you were to ask me my favorite albums of theirs, it's definitely Flavor of the Week, uh, Implode and Epitaph and uh, Echogenetic. Those four, I really, I really dig. Yeah. Flavor of the Week has a Colombian necktie on it, which is a great song. Right.
2: So let's go through a little history. And to explain this, I gotta, I'm just going to put on my nerd glasses for a second and just kind of explain uh, very, very brief uh, industrial history leaving, le- leading up to the inception of this band. Um, as we talked about before, phase one of industrial was like your throbbing gristles, your noise, uh, people that may have been in punk bands and then found samplers uh tape machines feedback uh vacuums on stage but what the transition into phase two is kind of more what industrial we recognize this is where you have your severed heads cabaret voltaire's where they actually added a little melody to it and you know then you get your four on the floor beat um and then uh this is it's it's in here in the 80s um where we start really recognizing it Um, and the first groups it was very just since like tech nerds they had all sorts of different synthesizers samplers tape machines um, doing what they can and skinny puppy of course came out of vancouver Um, and Bill Lieb was in, uh, joined them on their first tour. Uh, Kevin Key and, and Ogre were touring. They needed somebody to play live synth bass and some other t- like tweaks here and there. And so they got, uh, his name's Will, Wilhelm Lieb, aka Bill Lieb. He went as Wilhelm Schroeder, based after the Peanuts character. And he was in Skinny Puppy from 85 to 86. And um, and then like on the first couple Skinny Puppy albums, uh, he was, you know, supporting them, you know, a little bit in the studio here and there. Uh, and then he left in 86 and he wanted to do his own thing. And it was around this time that he met this kid, this like scene kid, Reese Fulber. Um, pronounce Reese. Reese. Yes. You pronounce it rise Yes. Yeah. Reese.
3: I think I've called I called him Rice Fulber from like 1994 until two weeks ago. So,
1: yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. I, I think of uh, the guy from Indiana Jones
2: right right uh john reese rice exactly yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh so he was a young kid in the vancouver scene reese was and he would come on to do production support and wasn't brought on as a full member for a while their first few albums uh are kind of oh they're kind of uh there's not a lot of direction to them it's a lot of just like lo-fi um electro with some like noodling some live noodling that goes on they had a third member named michael bach for a while released uh, state of mind total terror and then in 88 they scored a deal with the hottest fire chicago label rex wax tracks records and uh they released corrosion and a few more albums on there and uh i'm a big fan of wax tracks pretty much if they put something out during uh the 80s to the mid 90s it's worth checking out um the documentary about the labels fantastic watch um and michael balk left Frontline assembly to join uh revolting cox and uh lieb uh put reese in as a full-time uh uh partner
3: during the last years and reese's he's gone he's he's come and left the band a few times right
2: correct yeah well yeah we'll get to that because he he had yeah he got the Roadrunner gave him uh, some cool job options. Um, so uh, while they were at Wax tracks, <clears throat> uh Bill Lieb started, uh, you know, he was also kind of hot as fire at this time in, in the in the genre. And their music was, was now like very club ready, uh, beat you could dance to, less kind of noodling and uh, more hooks. This is definitely an era that I, you know, I, I, I definitely start really enjoying their, their work. Um, he started some side projects uh, worth talking about. Um, I'm a big fan of Noise Unit. Um, the first album, Grinding Into Emptiness, is really good. It sounds very '80s, but very kind of hard-edged '80s. Synths. metaphor for teenage masturbation <laughs> it's, that's that's dark but yeah <laughs> uh, so and, and each each album would be a collaboration uh with somebody the first one's a collaboration with uh the band clinic later it would be with how job um good and, old how job that's right uh
1: they were excellent live. I'll be honest with you. Me and Steven saw them open up for Velvet Acid <laughs> Christ. Oh, and boy. How Job like, looked like they were um, two beta testers that you know just <laughs> came out of a, of a basement. And um, they were great. They were yeah. great.
3: How Job was great. They made some good albums. Uh, they might still be around today. I don't know. I don't know about good old Velvet Acid Christ, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, that. then they came on like oh looking like extras from SLC Punk, and I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> really,
3: really bad, not good music. Yeah. How Job's pretty good. You know, it's funny about yeah. How Job is that uh, in 1999, there was a Final Fantasy game called Final Fantasy IX, and I named a character in it, How Job, and I'm yeah, actually playing it again right now on the nintendo switch they made a version that they uh final square has re-released their old games where you can turn off the uh, random attacks and speed everything up which is it's basically dad mode you can play through these games now that used to take 60 hours and like nine nice Um, it is it is is, it's fun because no yeah we don't have a lot of time for shit We're, we're old dads but uh Uh, how job unfortunately this this time he's been renamed romstein he's been updated Uh, he had
2: to to retire that's fine (laughs) (laughs)
4: um
2: so yeah during this era they put out costa grip and tactile neural implant uh both were mammoth albums in the in the genre and considered by a lot of people to be classics um I can't recommend them enough if if you're in the mood to to stomp your foot and, and enjoy some of those Bill Lieb hooks. Like, you know, Bill Lieb's style of singing is it's almost whisper singing during during the verses and then he like he's not doing anything too super exciting with his voice. He's pretty much following whatever instruments doing the melody or like the bass line. He's pretty much just following it note by note. He's not he's not like doing anything flashy, but damn it if it doesn't get stuck in your head. I'm in hope and ruin my fears. Ooh.
4: I close my eyes for one last tear.
3: his approach to book, uh i'll give him this he learns to sing better uh around the turn of the century i think he tries to sing more yeah like think about that song um oh goodness they got a song on that's that album uh epitaph that just has really good vocals. oh yeah uh
2: is that everything must perish it might be that song's really good
3: talks about yeah. the it's, it's got like <laughs> the talks about like you know the sun burning shadows away and the snow melting um it's a good song i listened to it a few days ago yeah he gets to be a better singer, but this older stuff, he definitely takes the ogre approach, but he's not as interesting as Ogre.
2: Yeah, he's not uh, not so much monster vocals, but it is like low and- and. It's uh, a
3: guttural to shout. It's yeah. heavily processed in his case. I don't think Ogre really ever processed himself as much as this guy does. Um, the vocals are not what he's making music for. You can tell you sure. tell you that much. Sure. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably the last yeah. thing they think of. Sure.
2: Uh, during this time, he did another side project that I've talked about in the show before with Kevin Key and Dwayne Gotell from Skinny Puppy called CyberActive. And um, it's once again, it's one album. It's really, really good. It's got Blixa on it. It's absolutely worth your time. Um, and then uh, he also had like so many little dance projects like Equinox and Intermix. And then for the Enya fans out there, Delirium and Delirium actually gave Bill Lee probably some of his biggest hits.
3: Uh, delirium oh yeah he's bought a couple houses i bet with delirium i'm not even yeah. exactly yeah. that
1: broke Town palace song uh right. silence with sarah mclaughlin i mm-hmm. i still think it's a great song
3: Delirium has a lot of albums, and uh, the funny thing about Delirium is it's very new-agey. It's very relaxing. It's very fucking bathhouse or uh, acupuncture music. Um, I find that funny, though, because what I like about Frontline Assembly is out of all the industrial bands from that time, I don't feel like they got as cheesy as some of the other ones did, but then he goes and he makes Delirium, which is just as a pretty cheesy <laughs> so
4: oh, yeah. you know
3: it's like he kept he kept a lot of that 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 cheesy nonsense uh you know music videos aside out of frontline assembly and then shoved it all into this new new age project
4: yeah
2: so uh uh and, and i'll be referencing a few times this great interview with uh with reese uh, i heard him talking about this album on the neat Meep podcast which is all about roadrunner records um and this is where we start getting into the 90s um and you know actually late 80s you know with rabies that industrial started bringing in guitars of course pretty hate machine as well um and and uh it was conflicting for the genre a lot of purists thought guitars had no place even even if you go on some of my damn face group facebook groups now if you there are people that still say that guitars was the death of the industrial music and um, all this, uh, this, this silly stuff. Um, so, uh, Frontline Assembly was asked by, to, by Roadrunner Records to remix uh, a bunch of uh, a couple Fear Factory songs for the "Fear Is the Mind Killer" EP. In fact they they recorded that in brian adams basement in uh, another fellow canadian uh, apparently brian adams wasn't home at the time but he had a great studio in his basement they got to use um and that's a pretty fun little little uh remix album and uh, uh you can definitely hear the seeds of, of millennium in there um and it led to, uh, well, they were on this this record label called Third Mind and uh, it got bought up by Roadrunner Records and Roadrunner, because of that collaboration, decided to make them kind of a, at least a, uh, put a lot of energy into Frontline Assembly for their next release, which was Millennium. Um, and so uh, Steve, what's, tell us a little bit about Roadrunner Records.
3: roadrunner records if it was season one i could do a whole b-side on them um they are are still a metal label and in the 80s and 90s they were kind of a metal label that would take a stab at anything up and coming and also they, they they would they would experiment a lot um every genre of metals kind of passed through there at one time or another to various degrees of popularity uh the, some notable acts on there that everybody that kind of broke the label big was uh, Sepultura and Type Negative. Uh, Type of Negative, the majority of their albums were released on there. That's how Type That's how Roadrunner worked its way into uh, some of uh, your guys's uh, uh, music catalogs, as well as Slipknot. Um, Slipknot made Roadrunner a lot of money, and even their most recent album came out in Roadrunner. Uh, yeah, just a just a, a, a metal label for years that a lot of it, it got bought by other bigger labels, but always kept the the Roadrunner the name, and Roadrunner just kind of represented metal, and always not your you know not always not your grandfather's metal, even though sometimes acts such as King Diamond were on, on that label. Um, as a teenager, I would just I'd give anything with Roadrunner a chance. Um, Coal Chamber was on there. Uh, uh one of my favorite bands i talk about every chance i get on this podcast machine head uh, started there and was there for quite a while machine head made roadrunner a, a lot of money and uh interesting enough machine head's first album burn my eyes had dave mckean artwork who also did uh the same artwork for the album we're talking about tonight
2: <clears throat> true and did uh, uh arkham asylum
3: yes and many skinny puppy albums uh. right and Neil Gaiman projects, and yeah, yeah. Dave McKean. But yeah, Machine Head, they were great. They're great to this day. They put out a lot of records on Roadrunner. Um, yeah, just a, a great metal label in the 90s and early aughts, in my opinion, and and uh, a, sign, a, a, a pretty good seal of quality for the most part. Uh, unfortunately, also, somehow Nickelback snuck their way onto to Roadrunner. So that's <laughs> wow. when Mark, yeah. When Mark brought Creed up earlier, that's what, uh, yeah. Somehow Nickelback was on there. Uh, <laughs> they were kind of an outlier, but they also made Roadrunner a lot of money. Wow. Um, I never knew that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, these days, uh, bands that are still on there, like I said, Slipknot, uh, Korn's on that label now, uh, Code Orange. They're good. They're on there. Trivium, the good metal band and a whole host of other metal bands come and gone. It seems like at a certain point, any metal band worth a damn that, uh, you know, once they're, you know, they put an album out on Century Media, Nuclear Blast, then Roadrunner, then somewhere else. It's uh, it's just a good metal label and a historical one. And one artist they made big, big, big was a Fear Factory, who were good buddies with Frontline Assembly and Millennium and Hardwired Frontline Assembly albums. You could put those right in between Frontline Assemblies uh demanufacture and obsolete and it would sound like the same band for the Fear, most
1: part. Fear Factory.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, the Fear yeah. Factory and Frontline Assembly from that era, the era we're talking about tonight, yes sound very similar. Right. Um especially yeah. yeah, but anyhow just special place in my heart that label and um yeah, it's uh it's it's I I feel that they don't get the respect they deserve. They did more for the genre than I think they uh, get credit for because and I'm not remembering his name right now, but the CEO of the label really, really was into chasing up chasing what's coming up and, you know, what's new. Yeah, yeah. Trend chaser. And that helped make a lot of artists big. But then also, you know, during the new metal era, that also means they signed like a shit ton of bad corn knockoffs. So uh, it, it gives and takes but right historically uh much more good than bad and uh at the end of the day the fact that they gave gave us just typo negative slipknot and machine head alone and fear factory that uh that makes them worth talking about so there you go
2: yeah so r- right before their their third mind records got swooped up by roadrunner they were working on kind of a synth pop album and once roadrunner got them and and you know, they were basically like, we love the work you did on that fear factory factory factory, factory remix. Uh, they scrapped their synth pop album, uh, but they left, they kept two tracks from it that do show up on this album. And I'll t- 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 tell you about it when we get there. Um, and then they started, uh, they said, you know, Hey, we're on a metal label now. Let's, let's go metal. And Bill Lee brought in, uh, these, these samples he made these cut these guitar riffs out of, um, already pre-existing metal songs and said let's build some tracks around this let's use these metal riffs as our samples and build tracks around them and uh bill Lee was like said you know yeah this this may you know the the scene is fractured right now a lot of the scene does not want guitars in industrial music but if skinny puppy did it and if i'm doing it then you can do it too like you know because he was like one of the last holdouts to, to try it out um and uh, yeah, so we brought in like these, we'll talk about them. There's some Metallica samples. There's some Pantera samples. And uh, they started building their their album around this. Um, a couple of the tracks got kicked back. The label could not clear the samples. And so they had some studio guitarists come in to do their own takes on those original samples. So they would still fit in the song. Um, and we had uh, uh, guitar virtuoso, Devin Townsend, uh, as their studio guitarist on 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 this particular album um, another guy named uh what's this guy's name uh there's another guy on there too that is not as well known I gotta edit this damn it really not well known you can't even find his name uh like Tom Harrison is his name and um I looked him up there's some old like Americana rock guy from the 70s named Tom Harrison I can't imagine it's the same guy um
1: Don Don, Don Harrison. Don
2: Harrison. Thank you. Um, and the whole thing was mastered by big bass Brian Gardner, who uh, you you should recognize that name. He's he's mastered many albums in the 90s.
3: Well, I don't recognize his name, but I recognize Devin Townsend. Can we talk about him for a second?
2: Yeah, yeah. All
3: right, Devin Townsend. I have brought him up to you guys before. Uh, Canadian, bald. Uh, he used to, he got his start uh, playing with Steve Vai. So he's, he's, you know, he, he's into precision and then he
1: haircut. <laughs> and
3: then he, uh, he started his own band called strapping young lad, who I'm sure you recognize the name, but you've never listened to. Not bad. Uh, kind of, you know, big chunky metal with keyboards every once in a while. Did that for a while. And then he just said, you know, what, I'm going to do my own thing literally. And he started the, uh, the Devin Townsend project, which is some kind of hovercraft. And, um, it's it's it, his, his music goes all over the map it's very every genre he could stick in there and he'll give you whiplash it's similar to yes maybe a Buckethead or a merv um frank zappa comes to mind uh mashuga it's just the, the guy he he'll do in the same song it'll it, it'll it'll be classical music to uh acoustic folk to crazy jazz improv to blast beat metal back to some kind of i don't know enya sounding thing and uh all the while his vocals are kind of humorous but also kind of uh, introspective really hard to really really hard to describe him besides if you've ever listened to frank zappa imagine if frank zappa was a metalhead you might be getting there Mm. um his music's not for everybody but i do think it's worth checking out his one of his more recent albums was called um oh god empath yeah empath which also sounds like it could be a frontline assembly album and i i think he's worth checking out just to hear the, what the guys are going for here but uh he, he's very prolific and by all accounts seems like a nice guy so and when he was younger he played in frontline assembly so there you go he's really good at the guitar though you don't hear a lot of that here, uh, but when he wants to, he can, he can do it all. So.
2: Yeah. What, what, what Reese loves about Devin is his guitar tone. Um, Cause like, like they used him, as I said, when they couldn't clear a sample. And so he kind of had to do an interpo- interpolation of that mm-hmm. where it kind of made it his own. And, uh, and I think the guys were floored by the uh, the guitar tone that he got, even just for those little those little stabs and and clips that he used. Um, but we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, this was followed up by an album called Hardwired. similar pastiche but they didn't use the samples this time this they i think they used devin again but it was it um by all accounts could be a uh, uh uh possibly a better album uh because they they you know they they were kind of writing it all from scratch and they kind of perfected their production technique um yeah so, i don't think i
3: don't think millennium's bad by any means as you'll learn tonight but i did tell eric that if i were to pick a album of theirs to go with i would have went with that one but uh right it was not. It was not my turn. Not my turn. So
2: yeah, hardwired is very good. And what's interesting is Millennium was one of the, was their best selling record, um, uh, and they're like crossover hit. But it alienated a lot of their fans. Um, but they came back for hardwired, which is very similar. In it, they were just, I guess, got they just it just took them two albums to <laughs> swallow the the bitter pill of guitar in a, in in Frontline Assembly. What
3: I don't understand is that. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's because we are, we're like, you know, third generation immigrants of industrial music, three of us because of our right. age. So maybe by the time industrial got to us, we expected guitars. Yeah. But for me, I I do expect guitars. That's what I like in industrial. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think, yeah, we came in, in the guitar, in the guitar phase, but, uh, old, yeah, but also uh, like old gate ministry
3: and... put out the mind is a terrible thing to taste in 1989. So yeah. And you know, I, I mean, yeah. Maybe they were considered more mainstream, so they weren't quote-unquote true industrial, which is poppycock, if you ask me. But uh, I, I guess that's how you can get away with that. I'd I'd hate to be a fan of industrial and not like ministry. That'd be just terrible. Well,
2: what's the point? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so – and then they followed up with Flavor of the Week, as you mentioned, uh, which I love how they spell it. It's F-L-A in parentheses, Aver of the Week. <laughs> they, they sneak their name it's a into good it. album. Yeah. It's a good one. Uh, and then Implode a- – did return to mostly electronic but their production had gotten so good and lush that i would just describe their next group of albums as just being very it's a return to electronic but lush and they kind of are going to for this um post-apocalyptic imagery his lyrics were coming back to be a little bit more personal yes he was talking about cyborgs and and the end of the world and mutants but he was somehow connecting it to emotion as well um and at this point by the time actually after hardwired fulbert left the band Reese left to go uh, help Fear Factory full time. And um, he would come and go in 2003, the album Civilization. um, He returned and they were starting to dabble in um, uh, like uh, drum and bass. And in in, uh, 2010, they put out electronic improvised electronic device, uh, which had uh, brought back guitars from uh, Justin Hatberg from Three Inches of Blood. Also has Al Jorgensen on a song uh, and a pretty great song called the Anagriff, a German song. 2010s they made some video game music they scored quake 3 arena air mech and uh and then uh yeah put out and they they returned to like a really dancey um and 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 they were following trends too i mean you know uh you know uh edm and stuff was was big at the time and and uh, echo genetic wake up wake the coma and then just uh, last month they released mechanical soul um you know all you know definitely frontline assembly but definitely um you know, you could you could hear it at a festival of, of popular electronic music as well.
3: Yeah, it still sounds like the same band, but I mean some of their albums are hard to differentiate from another, but they go through phases. And I think you can definitely differentiate the the eras from one another. Yeah. Um uh point of order, uh Quake Three actually came out in like two thousand, not uh, not twenty ten. Um just wanted to set you straight there
2: you're absolutely right about that sorry i lumped that in with the other other video games they did the soundtracks for you're right i just remember because
3: uh trent Reznor did quake one quake two was good god was it rob zombie who did quake two mark help me
1: out here it was Uh, it was chris frenna i think that did quake two hmm
2: i think was it doom three that rob zombie did
3: no now we're all off the (laughs) course here (laughs) But <laughs> yeah, then Fre- uh, Frontline Assembly did, a, or at least Reese Fulber did a Quake Three, and um, I also wanted to mention their most recent Frontline Assembly album. What's that one called? Mechanical Soul. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> really, really, uh, they have a brand, don't they, with their their names? They sure do. They um, sure. Dino from Fear Factory is on that album, so it's all come full circle.
2: Nice. Oh, and important also in the last 10 years, uh, Reese produced a fantastic album that Stevie turned me on to, uh, Youth Code's uh commitment to complications uh, or commitment of complications. Anyways, he produced that that album and and uh you sent me a clip today of him talking about his his five most important albums he's worked on and he listed that one. And I yes. think it's I think it's a super important album as far as like in a way, industrial is kind of kind of had a little bit of a resurgence not that it ever really went anywhere but as far as getting more attention recently and uh, i think they're a huge band as far as this whatever
4: we're in now
3: Some of the the bands that you told me about, like uh, Health and Three Teeth, are some good modern ones. And then, uh, yeah, Youth Code, who've also toured with Tribulation, uh, they very much have the old style. Like they're they're kind of they're old. They're they're like hardcore old new industrial. I don't know how to put it. They're they're cool. They're they're great. Yeah. We saw them for a couple of songs because we got there late uh, <laughs> yeah. a year ago, and then the pandemic hit. And looking back, so that was definitely the last show we saw. Mm-hmm. But looking back, we left early because we're old. And we didn't stay for Refuse that night. And if I would have known what was coming and that we'd not see live music until God knows when again, I wish we would have stayed for the whole show. But what are you going to do? Sure, sure. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so that's one that's other. Good. One other
3: thing. One other yeah. thing. You're going to have fun editing this one. That Reese Fulber video you mentioned. Uh, yeah, so he mentioned the Fear Factory albums. And Youth Code, some of their own work, but also a band called Paradise Lost. And I think a lot of our fans of this sh- podcast, uh, yeah, they're, I feel like they're a sleeper band. And they've been around for 30 plus years. They're like a British typo And they have elements of, uh, you know, they get heavy, but they also have melody. And they have a lot of electronics dabbled in their music. For a while, they kind of almost became like a really heavy Depeche Mode. Uh, Reese did work with them Paradise Lost is a band worth seeking
2: out Well, all right guys that's the history um like i said it was their most successful album um but also a very divisive one and represented a like i said a weird fissure that was going on in the in the genre that still is debated over today edition of guitars even though their guitars are primarily samples in this um i think it's a fun one to talk about i do call it the paul's boutique of industrial albums just because it's just so many little samples put in can never be made today with the way that sample laws work. Um, it's a fun little artifact from a time. And I decided uh, to talk about it.
3: Didn't Bill Lieb actually say that one of the reasons he quit using so many samples because he was afraid of getting sued basically.
2: Yeah. I pretty much after hardwired uh, I think they cut down on vocal samples quite a bit. And I, he did say that there was a point where he just wanted to stop. So. Cause there's like movie there's vocal samples from movies I'll, I'll get into those of course guitar samples um so yeah but let's uh let's dive into it let's uh strap on our our uh shin guards and uh and uh put on our our black lipstick and jump right in to the uh the the uh, amazon dance floor and uh let's start with the first track vigilante
1: yeah
2: all right vigilante vigilante is uh, uh a particular track that does not use a sample it has live guitars by devin townsend well well played live guitar and then they sampled it um it also has a uh synth sample from uh the song esperanto by electric music which is a craftwork side project um and you have the first uh, right off the bat you hear a like a scene from a movie and you hear, we're not the same. I'm an American. You're a sick asshole from falling down. They use falling down all the time in this movie. I uh, went ahead and rewatched it this weekend. We can, we can talk about it, but uh, um, I think it, 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 there are themes that they're trying to go for in this album that line up with that movie pretty well.
3: Well, let's talk about it. Let's let's, let's talk about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it holds up pretty well i saw it when it first came out on vhs and uh joel schumacher michael douglas uh and uh oh goodness i'm blanking who's a robert duvall robert duvall and and, you know it's a early 90s la it has that that, those perfect early 90s la sunshine like hazy afternoon light filter through the whole thing great on location
2: shots yeah
3: yeah and just a You know, one guy has one too many bad days and he snaps and you might think it could be there's people that watch that movie. I I know. I think I bet you we've talked about in the podcast before that there's people that watch that movie and get the they get the whole wrong point and they don't understand that. No, he's not the good guy. And uh, by the end of the movie, he understands at least that he's not the good guy. And I
1: think it's actually very, very well done.
3: And that's two cents on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Honestly. Um, it's weird how the movie poster really kind of uh, portrays Michael Douglas as uh, as if he was the hero um, in a very statuesque pose um, in uh, sort of the uh, decrepit nature of inner city LA. I'm not sure if this movie preceded the LA riots, um, but I think it was actually after the LA riots. It actually had they were
2: filming it during the. They actually, had to change some locations.
1: Oh, so it was actually around that same time. Okay. Um, So you certainly get a a lot of uh, issues of race that get brought up and then issues of a white man trying to fit into the rest of society as it's changing and how he's also trying to um, coincide with having a broken family of his own design. And then almost turning into a vigilante who's just tired of having to fit into the preconceived notions of a civilized society. And it it's definitely a Joel Schumacher film in the era of not so much Batman Forever Joel Schumacher, but more <laughs> along the lines of Flatliners, Joel Schumacher and Lost Boys. So it, there is some grittiness involved in here. Um, some incredible acting by Michael Douglas and Robert Duvall. Um, and I think you're right. I think a lot of people who were upset with kind of the politically correct culture that was really starting to rise during this era really started to attribute some of the heroics that are going on in this film about a guy that has had enough. And I think the title of the film falling down really summarizes someone who is having a really hard time coping with the new realities of life and having where he fits in and i think a lot of people who in this day and age have been essentially been characterized as those that are feeling the economic anxiety of kind of the boomer era the boomer generation i will be honest my dad did view this movie from a prism of someone who is seen as a hero, who is pushing back from the progressiveness of society, and not necessarily seeing as someone who has created this situation upon himself, but is seen as someone who is um, now holding true to his true self. And I think that to Steve's point that gets lost on a lot of people because this movie has a lot of nuance. Um, this song though, I don't know if we're really jumping forward to it. It really does paint the the plot line of falling down pretty well about a guy who is essentially, um, turning himself into a vigilante and, um, yeah, that's all I'll say until it's my turn. No, yeah, go,
2: go. Mark, just take it away. Take it away. Get into it. So I mean, you're spot my... on. I was just going to say the lyrics were basically retelling the story of Falling Down, and you yeah. pretty much said that. So just, t- yeah, take it, take it and run with okay. it. Okay,
1: so my impression of the song uh, from a more of a musical standpoint is you do get those chunky guitar riffs um, that is uh, kind of in that Fear Factory type of way where you're melding more metal and industrial into this new sound and um, it's to me in my ears i hear an amalgamation of what kmfdm was doing around this time along with ministry and then the vocal work of skinny puppies so it's the three bands that are essentially the touchstones of what industrial music in. Was really largely seen as, as being the godfathers of, of really trying to meld those three bands together. I do really like the atmospheric sense, giving this song kind of more of an ethereal backdrop uh, in comparison to what you get from the guitar riff and the throbbing drums. My personal assessment of this particular track, though, it does lack a strong hook of really finding something that you can hum along to uh this album generally likes to push the limits of song um time lengths Mm -hmm. nothing is really shorter than five minutes on this record and i think that's to its detriment of this record as a whole um but i do think that it does a great job in this track of essentially covering the theme of falling down Um, But that's my two cents on that. Yeah,
3: to Mark's point, actually, just think of the genre as a whole. Uh, A lot of times I'm like, they want to, you know, they get 74 minutes for the CD, so they really want every minute of it. And um, that probably is one of my bigger complaints, few complaints of the album. Yeah, the song does not need to be almost seven minutes long, but it's not a bad song. I think it's a good opener for this album. Uh, the, The samples are used well um there's you're gonna hear this phrase a lot of times tonight because i don't have a better phrase for it and i've said it since the start of this podcast there's some good uh miami vice synths buried into this thing um i wish they would bring some of the synth work to the front during the verses but during the uh, the choruses and some of the bridges they maximize it so uh, it stands out more uh, throughout the song and it's probably by design um i i i think this this track it kind of takes a minute to get my attention but when the drum beat picks up and it'll happen a few times in this record i like it when the songs the uh when the the bpms pick up a little bit and on this one during that whole part where it ticks up during that uh that rise and fall lyric is when it really gets its hooks in me uh yeah and to the to the uh topic of it i think mark covered how it's it's like falling down but Also, I want to bring up that uh, during the Blaze Bailey years of Iron Maiden, the lost mid-90s years that no one talks about, uh, they wrote a song called uh, Man on the Edge of the World, which was also about falling down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's uh, not a bad song. It's indicative of what's to come. I just wish it was a little bit shorter.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much with you guys. I think it's a good opener. Um, it's 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 fast. Uh, Bill Lieb singing like as much of like a like a rock singer as much as he can. Um, I the chorus. You're right, Mark. I wrote it right down here. Not not as catchy as they, uh, and that's one of the best things about them is they can get catchy. But there, it's not a catchy hook. However, the chorus does get a little punky. It uh, it almost sounds like a little bit like lard the way it picks up. I think that oh, yes. that drum hit you were saying.
3: Yeah, punky, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, 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 they do that a few times in this record. Yeah,
2: And and um, I would say, I'll say it again, but I think Bill Lieb, he writes lyrics uh, like a punk guy. He's not super deep, uh, not not a lot of metaphor. Um, well, or if they're metaphor, they're obvious metaphors. Um, you know, I one could say, call it, uh, you know, sophomoric in... Like sci fi places, he goes. Um, very simple, like not a super complicated poet. Um, and you know, because he's singing and just matching the melody and not doing anything else, like very much punk in that way, too. Um, but yeah, I know it hits. Um, I do like the, the whole sound they're setting up for this album the l- movie samples, the vocal samples, the guitar samples. I mean, it sounds like a patchwork of stuff. And like I said, I they can't make, could never make something like that now. And, um, I think it's, I think it's, it's got a special sound to it. Um, but yeah, so this song ends with, uh, this, um, you hear the, the, the creepy neo-Nazi from falling down the, give it to me, give it to me, uh, looped over and over again. And then you hear, uh, these moans and you get a Hellraiser three hell on earth sample (laughs) that starts our next track, uh, title track. Millennium. So Millennium is built around a sample, uh, a new level by Pantera uh, is the riff, and then um, uh, behind that guitar riff, you hear another sample, and it's actually just this weird sound effect sample from the Depeche Mode song "Get Right with Me." Uh, it's a guitar scratching, like scratching down the fretboard that they put in the background. Um, hey uh,
3: Eric, can you can you drop some of the samples in right here?
2: Sure, will. Original Pantera. Millennium sample Yeah and then so uh, this one also has some falling down uh, vocal samples but really what takes the stage and this is a throw back to ministry as well is the uh, <laughs> you have the uh, F Lee Ermy full metal jacket. Uh, shouts um in this one as it like builds to a beat and uh and then you hear those uh those drill sergeant Um uh this song could uh you know at the time it was written could look as like a precursor to the Matrix, but if you was written now, you'd think this it was QAnon. Uh no. so it's uh into the wavelength comes conspiracy, into the wavelength a planet never free. Um basically uh amid all this confusion, we lose sight of the enemy, like evil gods of destruction, they move through liquid transparency. Um, countdown to extinction will now transform reality. Uh Just talking about how humans are chess pieces uh, by uh, more powerful, powerful people towards towards the end time. Um,
3: Yes, the uh, the cabal. Sure. Which is uh, the same cabal that someone in my orbit mentioned uh, when I was asking how they felt about the Marilyn Manson thing. They said, "Ah, well, you know, I've always hated the guy, but it looks like the cabal got to him because how could that many women come get get come out against him at once? And I was like, oh, God. So <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I asked <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs>
2: all right, Steve, what do you think about millennium?
3: Well, you've got Pantera involved, so yeah, I'm happy right there. Uh, you know, I'm not the Pantera is not my favorite metal band by a long shot, but I will listen to a Pantera album all the way through every once in a while. And this was a song from uh, the far beyond driven album, which is you, you guys have seen that album cover. It's just the guy getting punched in the face. I, yeah. uh, I like that album cover. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's total Pantera. Just photo of a guy getting punched in the face. Why not?
2: N- not to fact check, but the, uh, the, the, I used the, uh, dot sample list. And it said it was from vulgar, vulgar display of power.
3: <sighs> no, it is. You are correct. That's still the same album cover. Uh, far beyond driven is their third album. Vulgar display of power is the album I'm talking about the guy getting punched in the face. So thank you, Eric. Uh, and yeah, it's a good, it's a good riff. They use it well. Um, I, I, I think that the chorus on this one, the, the QAnon lyrics that they're talking about, even though they're, you know, ridiculous stock lyrics for this genre, that chorus really gets me pumping my fist. So I I don't have a problem with it. Uh, sampling full metal jacket. We've been there. We've done that with ministry, but okay. It fits in this song, I think. And, uh, this album, this, this, this album has a lot of good rising action. This song specifically the guitar riff, the chung, 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 chung. Uh, during the chorus, it's really powerful. It's good stuff. Um, good title track, even better video in such a bad way. Can we talked about the video. Can we could talk about the video for a second. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so the video you've got Bill Leib uh, wandering around a desert or standing on a <laughs> building with a robe and uh, there's like pink filters on all of the every visual. So he's singing into the into the distance. And meanwhile, there's a couple of guys in a Jeep dressed like they are uh, uh they're you know the apocalypse has happened so they've got camo pants on with it uh, have a lot of pockets and they're driving around and they find some kind of i don't know it looks like a it looks like a meter it looks like a like a pg fucking meter that you know reads uh your le- electrical usage and they act like this this thing is uh, the be all and end all and that's
2: the video
4: <laughs> I don't know what uh,
2: <laughs> apparently according to the the interview um it was it had it was it was a high concept idea but they didn't have the money to make it happen
1: and $5 Ree- budget. yeah,
2: yeah reese reese fulber showed up in chicago with the crew to film it and bill Lee just wasn't there he just didn't show up <laughs> 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 so they filmed their part in the wastelands of Chicago, and oh, then that's lit. how
3: that's how that's how things would be if we had a band. Yeah, <laughs> be like, oh, I, I I would tell you guys exactly. All right, guys, this is a great idea I've got, and then uh. <laughs> you show up there and I'd be gone. and be
2: like, Oh shit. Yeah, no, it was a good idea. I didn't
3: know I what guess we me doing.
1: Eric's going to pull this together. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so they filmed that. And then, and then some. Then the camera guy went to Seattle where Bill Lieb was and they filmed his stuff over there and then spliced <laughs> it together. Yeah. No budget. I mean, it's perfect. Uh, you would, you would see this video, you know, waiting in line to get into, you know, the, the Amazon or, you know, pick your, your, your uh, dare toolbox uh, industrial club.
1: No, it's true. I mean, I, it it is pretty standard for the day in terms of industrial videos. You don't really see a lot of labels putting a lot of money towards, um, the visual medium that these bands were producing. So it's not necessarily in bad quality. It is essentially what they wanted to do with absolutely no budget whatsoever. And, um, I mean, yeah, the, (laughs) it is, You you can't go into the video thinking like these guys are fucking rad. You're thinking, (laughs) okay, what are they trying to convey here? And at the time in the '90s, these videos were like dime a dozen for these type of bands. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, Um, these
3: these type of bands and metal bands too. Uh, Both both genres. Uh, A lot of bad videos, but. Well, shit! They want to put a video out, so they'll take what the label can give them, and then they'll 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 DIY the rest of it. And there's, I respect it to in an, you know, an yeah. extent.
1: It's like- and at the time, though, I mean, you got to like, we're looking at it through the prism of today, and like, Jesus, look at this. But at the time, if we were to watch this in real time at the time that it was released, we would have been like, this is fine, this is fine. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't age as well <laughs> as a fine wine as you would think. Sure.
2: Yeah, it's like one guy knows somebody that messes with chroma color and uh, right. <laughs> and right. like and like VHS clippings and they're gonna make they're gonna make you a music video. I mean shit, the down in it video looks like that, you know. It's it's it, it uh, does.
1: I mean, um back in the day when me and Steven first um like were hanging out, um, you know, I had satellite direct TV and much best, music best was days, one of those. Best
3: days of my life.
1: Holy shit! And like, much music played what was the 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 runoff of um, MTV. So like, we enjoyed seeing shit like this on you know, much I was canadian at two a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, that,
3: that reminds me. You know what? You know what? I, I, I you know what band I read about today when doing some of my research I haven't thought about in literally fifteen years. Do either of you remember a band
1: called Econoline Crush? I've heard um, of them but I've never about, yeah. jumped into them now.
3: Oh yeah, well, very they were, they were like the kind of thing you'd see only in much music. So, that's uh
2: yeah. <laughs> cracked me yeah. up. Oh. So Mark, what do you think about the song?
1: Um so it crossfades from the previous song, which is kind of neat how they're trying to create like a through line. Um, the pummeling guitars with the squelching synths gives way to that marching guitar riff. And I will say that for a sampled song, um, they're doing a very good job of not of tricking the audience into thinking that it's still live guitar. So I not if you're not like understanding the glossary of the samples that they're they're pulling from, you could imagine that they still hired a guitarist to essentially go through the rest of this record as a uh, new addition to the band Steve said at best that the drill sergeant sample immediately takes me to that ministry song thieves undeniable. So at that point I'm thinking, okay, are they, uh, mine is a terrible thing to taste. I think came out in 91 or 92. And so now I'm thinking that they're really trying to draw from that well to be like, hey, guys, um, I know you like industrial music and we're going to try to go that direction. So I'm going to try to give you a touch point of something that you can reference to that you still will now. But to me, it comes off as the RC Cola um, to Ministries, Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Um, It's not a bad thing. It's just, to Steve's point, you've been there, you've done that, maybe don't do that again. Um, that's my impression of, of I, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to kind of hit your wagon to the new industrial sound with guitars. Um, Cause this is the same year that downward spiral came out. Um, uh, Psalm 69 had, I think came out in 93. Um, so obviously frontline assembly are trying to uh, ride the wave. That's kind of currently happening in industrial mainstream music. And uh, in terms of musically, there is a siren-like effect that permeates throughout the verses. And it does open up to a very fairly hooky chorus that kind of stomps along. Um, I I think that it does have a good dance beat that would please that freeway overpass crowd um, that I've referenced earlier. So uh, thankfully, um, Millennium... Uh, I could make a Willennium joke here, but uh, I'm not <laughs> going to. It's too easy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for not. Um, uh, yeah, the, this song, I mean, you guys put it the same. It's not my favorite on there. I think the F. Lee me, uh shouts are reminiscent of Ministry, but I like how they're used because they they drop them predictably. When the, when the beat gets more dan- dancey, then they they drop those vocal things, and it almost becomes like... Uh, a predictable part of the music, which, uh, which I find, I don't mind them when I hear them, but yes, if I listen to it with a critical ear, it's definitely uh borrowing from, from Al, Al Jorgensen's stuff. I do like the siren rip. It, it reminds me of public enemy, uh, a public enemy beat. Um, and yeah, the guitar, it, the, the riff is good. It does mimic a live guitar and I love it, how it's done right before the third verse. It just, it, it they start doing it and they start just building up the music to go, to get big, Um, so yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun single. It's a fun, uh, this is starting to be an example of where I think the album gets strong. Um, so yeah, uh, the, there were like four remixes for this song. pretty much what they do on remixes on this album is they either say, okay, do you like the dancey part of it? All right, we're going to bring up that and bring down the guitars. Or do you like the guitar part? We're going to bring that up and bring down the Mm dancey. So um, that's, that's pretty much your remixes on this one. Uh, But that this one ends and it brings us to track three liquid separate. (laughs)
4: separation.
2: Um, so apparently, what liquid separation is, is it's a force of gravity uh, that can separate two or more immiscible liquids with sufficiently different densities. And what this is, is it's about the separation of the soul from the body. Colder and colder, your hands turn to ice. Casting a shadow, your soul sees the light. This form we live in is a fragile creation. This euphoric sensation is liquid separation. So it's kind of like the, the peaceful release of death. Um, it has a guitar rip, but there is no documentation on, first of all, none of the live guitarists are credited. Devin Townsend and the Harrison guy are not, Don Harrison are not credited on the song. And the list of guitar samples does not include the song on it either. So all I can think of is maybe Reese or or Bill did a little riff, but, um, it's, it's one eluded me. I couldn't find the, uh, source of the guitar part on this. Um. There are there are two samples from Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth? Uh they used a lot. And apparently I looked it up. I, I have not seen Hellraiser Three. I love the first two movies. What kind of uh rivet head would I be with if, if I didn't love the, the first two Hellraisers? But uh uh apparently the third one is about like a fetish club, and they you know the uh uh pinhead and his and his and his uh <laughs> his dead his deadites uh all you know wreak havoc on a fetish club in uh so anyways they, they use uh and it sounds like razors through flesh vocal sample. And then like a news broadcast from that movie are heard in it. Um, and uh, what did you think, Mark, of liquid separation?
1: I, uh, you got the more the, of that crossfade action. Um, I, I do like how that's continuing that pattern. Um, the guitars are kind of churning that cauldron um we've got some good kick and stomp action with the drums in my mind as i visualize what's going on i see the the club scene in the video game that is also like a boss battle um i'm a big fan of the chorus Uh, this form we live in is a fragile creation um yeah this euphoric sensation is liquid separation this is the first time where Uh, On this record where I'm really starting to uh, get attached to the vocal harmony, you still get the robot vocals effect that is pretty prevalent in this type of electro-industrial music. You never really get any clean vocals. Um, One thing that my ear picked up on is a kind of a KMFDM Juke Jezebel moment with those synths. Uh, it also reminded me, took me back to in high school, where I, w- I would go over to friend of the show Seth's house, and I would just watch him play Wipeout XL. Um, <laughs> I feel like this song would fit perfectly into that video game. But hey, want
2: to come over yeah. and watch me play Wipeout? Yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, like that's going over to Seth's house would entail watching him play video games while you're just talking about nonsense that's
2: great but
3: I he know, had but he time. but he had all the video games so it was fine he had everything yeah what
2: do you think steve
3: uh this is one of my favorite songs in the album i think it's it's quite a jam uh the the balance of the chugging guitar with the flying through space like shooting shit in the air uh electro sounds is very balanced i think um and, and the and the chorus is the kind of front assembly that I, I really like. The the robot overproduced vocals just have like everything dumped on top of them. It's like he when they really put a lot of production in and in process the shit out of the vocals. frontline assembly does it a lot and I I like it when they do it. It's part of their sound. Uh the chorus they really use that approach on this one. Um the pace of this track it had, I I was listening to it earlier tonight and I had uh, my son with me and I was kind of dancing with him. This one's easy to dance to. Uh, it makes you want to nod, makes you want to do, you want you want to you lift your knees high. And uh, the, the techno breakdown around the, the two minute and 35 second mark actually made me pump my hands in the air. Oh yeah. So.
2: Yeah, I wrote that down too. after the second hook is club ready and it's got yeah. that hellraiser sample about like razors through flesh over it yeah that's a yeah good. i dig I, I like this track yeah i as far as the voice goes um one of the cliches in industrial is like and you could even make a case for this being like in downward spirals it's it's man versus machine and sometimes it's very like literal like you know some of the frontline assembly songs are literally about cyborgs they have an album called artificial soldier you know um uh or, but uh wait hold
3: on record scratch speaking of the downward spiral mark did you watch that uh
1: exploder thing yet i haven't yet so i'm i'm failing on my trent reznor uh daily anytime that uh there's a google alert for trent reznor. I you're, always you're, feel like you're, I'm right you're saving that, no. it you're
2: saving it for when you want like just a warm blanket well, of even the like my mom
3: has watched it by now she's beating you to it i mean i don't know what that says wow. about you but uh, wow. it's,
1: clearly I'm, I'm i'm failing in my
3: trent resner <laughs> fandom badge and gun nine inch badge and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah you're you're no longer a big man with a gun sir yeah. give me the gun <laughs> badge and
1: gun loose cannon
2: first thing in the morning uh yeah, so anyways, uh, a lot of the the lyrics are uh, man versus machine. Um sometimes the machine is literal. sometimes it's like society. And um, frontline assembly is definitely has no problem writing entire albums around that cliche. Um and yeah, his voice is Robo voice during the verses for sure. Um, but I love the hook, uh, like you guys said, and the hook is just, there is just so many voices on top of each other. It almost sounds like a choir uh, in this song. And I, it really works. Um, so yeah, everything else you guys said, spot on. This is, a, this is a fun track and also one of my favorites. And it goes right into Search and Destroy. was started as one of the one of the two songs that were scrapped from their synth pop album uh, before they uh, were bought up by Roadrunner. Uh, obviously it didn't have the guitars they added that later um but this the 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 basic background music it was was uh, from that synth pop album. Uh, this has a phasey loop uh, taken from the song Nasa Arab by Coil it's got a lot of alien three samples believe it or not just some of the weird stuff in the background um it's got a high-pitched squeal from the song religion by front 242 uh there you go um and uh this one is uh about uh like a mission fr- from hell was sent out today to search and destroy to blow them all away It is it's basically about uh, leaders willing to sacrifice everyone to become more powerful. Very Cold War fears, and then like in the end, ultimately like man is enslaved by robots. It's very sci-fi, very sci-fi. I mean, there are some, like I said, some Cold War, real-world uh, metaphors, but for the most part, it's just a sci-fi fantasy. Um, so, what did you think, Steve, of *Search and Destroy*?
3: Yeah, this one, I think this is actually my favorite song on the, uh, the record. He's um, one of their best songs, too. It's just, uh, it, it sure, it has all the, the hallmarks that we're dealing with in this record with the overly processed vocals and the very tight guitar riffs and everything. But I, I don't know. The, the, the way that the, the drum beat and the synths kind of work together on this one is very frontline assembly. It just like I just said about the last track with the way they process the vocals, the way that the uh, uh, the drum machine and the synths work in tandem on the song is very frontline assembly to me.
2: It has like <laughs> almost like a Mortal Kombat like bump 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 yeah. bump, bump 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 bump. I, I
3: think I think at their best this band is the Mortal Kombat soundtrack and that's fine. Uh, that's that's a great <laughs> soundtrack. Uh, uh, uh,
2: this is devin Townsend by the way on this track.
3: Okay, I can hear it because that guitar riff is very chunky. Uh, and I also like that the, the vocals on this one, the verses, sounds like he's getting sucked out of an airlock. It's a neat effect that they use on it. Um, and a lot of just... Like, like they, they do a good... For lack of a better term, a lot of the sounds are swarming. Just swarms and just... just All-encompassing. It's good. And at the end of the day, part of this track that really makes me like it is that maybe in... 10 years ago, I kind of liked the song, but then after going through our David Bowie podcast and listening to all of his albums, including black tie, white noise, there is a keyboard uh, section on the song. that sounds just like palace Athena to me by David Bowie, which is not a problem. I think it's a great thing. And uh, Eric, you might know what I'm talking about, Mark. I'm not sure, but there's a keyboard section on here. That's very reminiscent of that David Bowie song.
1: Yeah, I could hear. I could hear it. Yeah. Now yeah. that you bring it up, I mean, it wasn't something that like immediately um, uh, came to mind. But now that you bring it up, yeah, I can agree with that. Uh,
3: it's, it, was one, it was one of those things. It was it was bugging me, and I was like, "Where have I heard that before?" And it's not a sample. It's just very similar. So.
2: Right. Yeah. Acid jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what do you think about search and
1: destroy? So to keep along the lines of our PlayStation games, um, maybe it was because the last track where I just started to reminisce and get more nostalgic about watching people play video games, um, I would often watch Steve play Metal Gear Solid. And so I feel like Solid Snake could break into a warehouse with this song. That's yeah, um,
3: that, that works. That checks that yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Search and
1: Destroy. It, it uh, Even the title alone um, shares that. Uh, I feel that this song is a great balance of guitar riffs and danceable beats with um, kind of that signature sound that I've come to associate with Frontline Assembly is atmospheric synth lines. The song has dynamics, they don't get too muddled in the mix. And once again, um, one of the big uh, signature sound styles of Frontline Assembly is to really draw you in with strong choruses the uh forbidding is the planet no one will return their lives are expendable through the battle turn um it's uh pretty pretty goddamn hooky if you ask me so another strong song on the record
2: oh yeah yeah the uh the whole part where it goes like as the clouds broke through the blazing sky up above yeah it'll it'll get you it'll get you yeah yeah. So this one's, yeah, this one's great. Um, this one has literally been stuck in my head for two weeks. Um, I can't get it out. It, it It's awesome. Um, and uh, there, there, he does the chorus twice and then adds guitars on the third time towards the end. And uh, it's, it, Devin Townsend just riffing and, 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 and there's not any solos on this album, but it does sound like they let him do a couple measures of shredding over his just, his his normal stabs, like guitar stabs, that that work pretty well on this particular track. Um, yeah, this is uh, this uh, this could be a single. It's it's quite it's quite long. I think this is a six minute track. Um, but uh, but it it could be. It, it it'll get it'll get under your skin in a good way. We'll return to your program after these messages. <sighs> Hello loyal listeners, Cleopatra Records, proud to announce a new collection of new goth and industrial renditions of old classics. That's right, suckers, we're back at it, and you can't help but throw your money at us. With new tracks by Lacey Lays and Lace.
4: It's a rare condition.
2: Patrick compilation would be complete without Ronald McJesus doing the Mr. Belvedere theme. That's right. Your favorite goth and industrial bands performing TV's greatest hits. Songs they didn't have to spend time writing and recorded in about 30 minutes. So if you're interested in this three disc, 90 song, box set, Please send $80 to patreon.com slash pod like a whole. Don't ask me why they're hosting this hot topic refused. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Um, but then it goes on and, and brings us to the, the, another single off this album surface patterns. With these mechanical sounds crunching and gurgling, uh, taken right from Army of Darkness. Uh, uh, there's actually whoa. There's a whoa from Army of Darkness in here as well, um, and uh, and some more Hellraiser three and Alien three samples. I mean, they. I mean, you could tell Bill but had just watched a couple of the the, the movies from 1993 and four uh, before uh, making this. Um, but really, this song is built around two two samples. And I listened to them today and I'll play them now, but, uh, it starts on, if you, if you look at a measure, you have beat one and beat four in a four, four time, right? Beat one and beat four are from the song. Don't tread on me by Metallica. And then in the middle of those is the song walk by Pantera. And they just lay them over each other to make a new riff. And the whole song is built around that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so the song is uh, about like post apocalyptic, uh, out of the tunnel into the night, world destruction, now seems right, a barren la- landscape of burning hell within our dreams, we feel the spell. Um, this is just like basically life after the apocalypse. People w- without civilization, people become humans, become their true selves, which are essentially like uh, cannibals, mutants. Uh, and uh, that's what the song is about. Steve, what do you think about surface patterns?
3: Well, I mean, the riffs, both riffs here, are classic all time riffs. I mean, walk, and I can hear it. Once I once I knew that's what it was, I could hear it. Uh, the Pan- Pantera song "Walk," it's a great song, great riff. You guys have both heard it. It's it's one of the Pantera songs that's been on the radio before. Uh, respect, walk. Yeah, basically that whole song is like somebody walking by your house and you're on your front porch and you don't like the guy and as he walks away even though you haven't even like made eye contact you say that's right you keep on walking it's uh that's the whole point of that song <laughs>
2: that's and an uh, important lyric. that's an important lyric <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: in a way you know this the lockstep groove that it gets into with that riff goes a long way for me it, it that that riff locks into the sweeps the bleeps and the creeps on this track and it, it works but also you've got a sampling of Metallica from uh, Don't Tread On Me. That's the one they, they they sample on this one, from the Black Album. And the Black Album's a great record. Every song on there is a good song. And uh, I, I think that's just a, a perfect use of Metallica when they were at their most bombastic. And the Black Album is a great album, isn't it, Mark?
1: I actually think the Black Album uh, is a fantastic work I mean, at that point, a lot of Metallica fans were starting to get uh, a little disillusioned with Metallica as they tried to get a little bit more of a mainstream sound and away from that thrash metal. But I'm sorry, but um, good songwriting is good songwriting. Mm -hmm. And I think in retrospect, a lot of those Metallica fans have come around to the Black record. um, And it's, to me... um, Because that's what I'm more familiar with rather than Pantera's Walk. I'm sure that I've heard it. But hearing Metallica's Don't Tread on Me, um, it is undeniable. You hear that sample. It's in front of some cool programming, but it seems a little too uh, dissonant, meaning a little more out of place. Maybe that's my own personal bias because I have such an association with knowing what that song is. And it seems like... You're hearing two different house parties. One side is playing Metallica and the other side is playing industrial music. And then you're just kind of hearing the crossfire of that. Um, the sample seems to choke a lot of the atmosphere out of this song, for me at least. However, uh, to repeat myself, the choruses are very catchy. Uh, but how it's delivered, it gets a little too buried into the mix.
3: Um, uh, I like, I'll, yeah, I'll, go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll meet you in the middle there. I could see that.
4: Okay. I think
3: that I, I think I'm so excited for the use of the samples in this song, I overlook it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, like I, you know, the uh, the black album. Yeah, I, I feel that the black album is the Terminator two of metal or rock albums from 1991. It just took over the world, and to hear that. A fixed into an industrial record is pretty fun, and uh, also I want to take this time to just say that James Headfield's a much better lyricist than he gets credit for, and that song has some great lyrics about preparing for war to settle the score. And yes, it's the goddamn "Don't Tread on Me" snake, but what are you going to do? Um, you know they were ahead of the time. That was 1991, and they were already using that snake.
1: You see it everywhere now. They were yeah. don't tread. trendsetters. Don't tread. Uh, The other day in Roseville, California, I saw a guy who had replaced his uh, big old truck flag of uh, Trump 2020 fuck your feelings to just straight out saying fuck Biden. So this is where we're (laughs) at today. Um, But I got to tell you, one thing in particular that makes my blood boil more than those goddamn oversized Trump flags is the oversized blue line American flags. Oh, God. I mean, I guess these people that are driving those are apparently just love the taste of shoe leather because if you like licking boots that much, um hell, go for it, man. Uh, but uh I got to tell you. Um what's fascinating
3: and, uh, is they didn't give a shit about the guy that got crushed to death at the Capitol by their uh their That's, own what, people. I'm that's yeah. what
1: I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh it's it's cognitive dissonance at work. Um but back to the surface patterns. Um, I do like the back and forth between the burbling synths and the drum machines. Uh, There's one part in this song that did make me smile. I have such a fascination for when uh, the Trilams take on the Alpha Betas in Revenge of the Nerds by doing a... (laughs) uh a balls to the wall version and i feel like in this song you do get that brief version of poindexter from revenge of the nerds doing his electric violin oh yeah solo for just oh, a few God. seconds
4: yeah
1: <laughs> um that's awesome uh, so I, I i i gotta give it to that
4: so yeah
3: there's another thing in this one that i like which is the uh leib's use of uh echoes and timing on the vocals echoing over the bleeps is a uh, it's it's well done the uh, the way the way that the, uh, the 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 vocal production and the synth work uh kind of meld together it, it's pretty good it's, it's a good track
2: yeah, yeah I, I, I I like uh I like what you said Steve about just the fact whether or not it works just the fact that you hear pantera and Metallica sample on this song I mean that's what's the fun of this record is that uh Bill eben at this time Bill Eben and Reese did not have a, did not have a metal background, but they wanted to make a metal record. So they sampled and they did what they did, they did what they know. And, uh, and between that and just like, just like the more alien three samples and like another Hellraiser, like Pinhead saying, down the dark decades of your pain, this will seem like a memory of heaven. Like that is just, it's so on the nose for industrial, but I I love it. It makes me happy. yeah, so uh, you guys pretty much covered the same thing I felt. it's The chorus has a good hook, but maybe not hooky enough. Um, I do like, there. there is a point in the song where the Metallica riff shines a little bit more, but I do like that it is the Metallica and the Pantera riff layered over each other to make a new riff. I think that's pretty fun. Pantera sample. Metallica sample. Now put them together, and you've got yourself a stew. As far as it goes, it has a bit of a swagger to it, and uh, the bass is doing more like a arpeggio, which which I enjoy. Always enjoy that. And uh, uh, there's a little bit of an epic orchestra sound at some point. So one thing that's interesting about this song is Reese's one of Reese's favorite things that came out of this whole thing was the single remix, the mission control mix on the single. They at that at this point, they both both him and Bill were kind of like, okay, the Pantera Metallica is too recognizable. Let's bring Devin Townsend back in to do the single remix and have him do something else on guitar. And uh and so they re-recorded the song and actually bring out a lot of the synthesizers and the background stuff and then Devin's doing something different on guitar and um it's just kind of fun to hear it kind of more original fully realized um maybe Mark you would like that better um That's that. And after that, let's go ahead and turn on Judgment Night as we bring up or the, <laughs> bring, bring up the as we bring up the song Victim of a Criminal.
4: The rich gang another murder in the name of democracy, land of the free with policies of slavery. I'm laughing hard at the draft card, I watch it burn They wanna see my ass dead when it's his turn That's why they're calling me a
0: communist I'm socialist. a socialist like that I bitch I'd rather be a communist than a fascist I fight the system of oppression Whose profession is aggression on others for the possession of money And of
2: course they think it's funny because the worldwide So many millions are the victims of the genocide All right. This song, if you go on any industrial like Facebook page, they will tell you that this is the worst song ever made. People hate this song. I don't, I mean, I don't know. You'll see my opinion of it. I don't, I think that's a little harsh, but this particular song features the rapper Che the master of defense. Who's that? Well, he was in a Seattle rap group called power and uh, they were on uh, network records. A Canadian record label that obviously put out a lot of uh, early Frontline Assembly and and Skinny Puppy, and uh, they wanted uh, Bill Leeb really wanted to get some rap on this album, and uh, Network happened to have this rap group called Power, and uh, they got they hooked up with uh, Che to do the uh, the raps on this song. Uh, it's built around a Sepultura riff, uh, song Dead Embryonic Cells, and uh, has this beeping alarm that's looped from the movie The Abyss uh great film and um you know you have a i mean this is very much like woke rap uh of the era um you know style wise che is fine he he does a good job rapping i mean doesn't necessarily stand out um but it's very much like uh political rap you know to kill a man from another land man's ashamed being a pawn in the games of a rich gang, or in the games of a rich gang that's why they're calling me a communist a socialist ain't that a bitch I'd rather be a commie than a fascist, and uh, and uh, you so you have this very strange rap song over an industrial beat. Bill Leeb comes in to do these like uh, this these little sneering thing in the hook, and um, it's a controversial song in the sense that that a lot of people hate it. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Up. That shit. Yeah, you know it's time to kill straight
3: up killer. Sick of the genocide, sick of that man made disease. Uh, it's a worldwide
2: genocide on
4: what do you think?
1: So I say this knowing that I'm probably, uh, Tempting our diamond dice gods by saying this, uh, but it's a stab at answering the question if Public Enemy released an industrial record. And the only reason I say that is because Public Enemy are on our list this season. And I know that that would be only fitting if we follow this up now with a Public Enemy record. (laughs) Um, That would be great. But uh, to Eric's point, uh this does belong right at home at the judgment night soundtrack which i don't have necessarily any backdrop on but it is famously known as uh one of the first records that really started to meld two genres um rap and metal was what was the feature of the day and then the spawn soundtrack would try to take a page out of that by also doing electronic acts with kind of harder rock bands um that was another another one um it has some cool programming moments but i gotta be honest with you it's so out of place on the record it just it doesn't do it for me i understand the big swing but man it was a huge whiff for me um that's just it it didn't fit right was weird and out of place, but I understand the effort. Um, but yeah, not that's a no for me.
2: Okay, well, you're not alone. Like I said, this is often referred to as the worst frontline assembly song of all time. Yeah, so I, you know, I didn't think it didn't fit on this record, weirdly. Be and all this is going to be funny, but because of all of the like, uh, the uh falling down samples and like the sirens that happen and like this whole like bubbling political unrest that they're trying to go with like they're trying to give you that kind of throughout the album this kind of fit into that in a very 90s way um uh yes it's very weird um it is and 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 one could even make the case for cheesy um and and if this is partially responsible for uh, for starting rap rap rock, then you know, I guess it deserves to burn. Uh, but no, I no, that's <laughs> not no, that's not a crime. There's plenty. There's
3: no. There's plenty of good quote unquote rap rock. Sure, I yeah. I, I I don't I don't think that should be a you know Faith No More helped start that genre too uh, inadvertently. I'm not gonna hold it up against them.
2: Yeah. What did you think? Because there
3: was a ton of uh, bad example. I, I thought it was all right. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with this, uh, the vocalist, but he does sound a lot like Chuck D to me. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I'm sure he was influenced by public enemy and that public enemy definitely did, uh, you know, they, they, they were the ones that really uh, aggressive, socially conscious rap begins and ends with them if you ask me um it's not bad it goes on for too long i think and when i listen to the album this is a song i'm most likely to skip mainly because it feels so out of place and usually that kind of shit doesn't bother me but on, on this on this record it really is kind of jarring i think it would have been better as a single like i could like just just its own thing Without all the other songs around it,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, and and uh, like I said, if it, the 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 whole pastiche of the the falling down and and L.A. and political unrest, this seems to fit for me. But I do get what you guys are saying. It it, it does. It may be a sore thumb. Um, maybe I just want to be contrarian. Like I said, the the industrial fans hate this song and. And I just want to give them a middle finger and, and say it's not that bad. I do like the uh, wah 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 that comes in during the 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 hooks. I, I I don't know. There's something going on in this that's ahead of its time. Even if that time would end within the next ten years, it's it's still uh there's still something about it. Um, not not the best song on the album by a long shot. Not even in the top 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 eight songs, but it doesn't bother me. I'll listen to it all the way through. Well, let's move on to Division of Mine.
4: The book awoke something dark.
2: mine starts with you hear some like helicopters police sirens you hear a scream uh, from Evil Dead 2 you hear a uh, another song by Pantera from vulgar display of power called a new level is the guitar riff Uh, but then you have Devin Townsend playing over that as well and um, you hear uh, a few more um, falling down vocal clips in through the outdoor, out to the west, this fascist nation never rest. Fight back is our lyrics <laughs> here. You have a very punk fight back uh, hook. Uh, one of the best lyrics here is no mutual surrender, scent of chud with infinite spirit.
3: You got you to gotta watch out. Those lyrics can be used against you in a court of law if you're ever uh, trying to defend yourself from insurrection.
2: That's right. That's right. Uh, so anyways, it's a, uh, it's a song about protesters, but by the end of the song, uh, the protesters are captured and reprogrammed brainwashed. Um, it's a bleak, it's a bleak song about, about maybe futility of, of, uh, of rebellion and Mark, or you went last, uh, Steve, what do you think about, uh, division of mind?
1: Can you hear me?
4: Yeah.
3: <clears throat> um, Division of Mind yeah this song is probably one of my favorite songs in the album uh, the, the way that the, the song kind of starts with the initial guitar riff kicking in with a slower drum beat that then makes way for the real air quotes riff and they do like, this speeding up thing with uh, I don't know there's some kind of sample dumped on top of uh, the drums that then kicks up a little bit more the song goes from slow to a beat you can dance to in a natural progression, which I like. Um, the whole the whole fight back vocal over the faster drum beats kind of remind me of Ministry, which if you remind me of Ministry, you're doing something right here. And uh, some of that stuff's kind of basic, but there are some other sections of the song that have some dense layering. And there's a breakdown on this album, on this, this song that has some, uh, lack of a better term, Egyptian Eye of So Osiris since and then you got Leeb's like really processed vocals over it and some more riffage leading up to a keyboard freakout with everything falling away. So you've got you've got the Egyptian synths, Leeb's vocals, and the riffs building up, and then all of a sudden this keyboard freakout happens and all that shit cuts out and you get to just enjoy the keyboard freak out. And I think it's really nicely done. I think it's a pretty good track.
2: Mark.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny that you went the ministry route. I went more of the KMFDM route. I heard uh, Drug Against War. It comes to mind in the intro. Oh, um, yeah,
2: yeah, that's good. That's a good connection.
1: Uh, it, it has your standard programming, um, that 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 sound that makes me actually want to listen to Pretty Hate Machine. So it's doing a good job of kind of giving you you know some of those cultural touchstones when it comes to this genre of music it's it's good stomping around music there's no question of that and the scent of chud is a lyric that uh begged to be written so good um, so good <laughs> scent of chud um and it's apparently got more pantera samples and um yeah it's it's a good track it's it's a good track
2: yeah not much else to add guys um I, I, I do like the fight back. It is the most punk song on here and the Devin, the songs with Devin Townsend do come alive a little bit more. Um, I love the, I love the, the samples and the kind of patchwork quilt of the rest of the album, but, but, you know, getting, getting a pro on there um, does maybe inject a little energy into the album. And, and this is a good example of that. Um, but that's, let's go up to the next song. This Faith. song, the only other song from the early uh, synth-pop album that was scrapped. Um, and this one is pretty much left untouched. They did not add any guitars over it. Um, and uh, this song does have a sample of uh, Lance Hendrickson from uh, Alien 3 as the android saying, uh, I'd rather be nothing. And um, this one is, uh, is very like, oh, all little depeche modi um and it's as it's about religion and is um you know faces of a thousand people the sickness in their mind is real we fight and struggle to survive this cultured way of suicide it's basically like the death like some religions are let's be honest death cults praying for the uh the 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 end the end times and that's what this particular track is about steve what do you think about this faith
3: Uh, this, this this is a good track, um, for one that what's that? I could be reworked, but I'll never be on top of the line again. I'd rather be nothing. Is that from Alien Three? That's it is. Point? That's
2: the that Lance H- Henriksen android who like yeah. is like in pieces in that movie.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one starts with a interesting kind of percussion synth of some sort. I don't know if it's percussion or if it's a, a synthesized, but it's like a Almost like a clanging bottle. Uh, I I don't know. It's it's a really strange process beat. It sounds like bottles being tapped. And that kind of gives a... It gives way into a... Kind of a freestyle head bopper of a song with all these laser synths bouncing around. And then it gets into some Miami Vice shit. And then it gets into some squelches even before the vocals happen. You go through this strange percussive bottle synth sound to these laser synths to Miami Vice type synths that then get into this a a squelch synth which I don't even know what I mean when I say that but I know what I mean and that's all before the vocals it's a pretty impressive opening to this track uh really runs the gamut of different types of synths that you could use and uh, it's pretty cool uh the song kind of has a crossover electro vibe. It's less industrial, and more electro, like you said, Eric. I, I could see this being a heavy Depeche Mode song, uh, especially when you hit the chorus. Um, the song kind of takes you on a journey. It's one that that if you listen to it often or or, or uh, give it a few tries, it, it it gives you it gives you some more of its uh what what it's doing. It it, it it's it's got some rising action you got to work for but i think it's a pretty good song long story short not bad
2: right it's very very uh indicative of the rest of their their uh career before and after um mark what do you think
1: Uh, Well, just this song further exemplifies that the industrial genre really enjoys their movie samples. We had talked about that earlier, um, and we especially talked about this band, Velvet Acid Christ, who essentially take that idea to the extreme. seems that every Velvet Acid Christ um, song uses movie samples to ad nauseum. Um, But this starts out strong with those synths really taking you on a headphone journey. I don't know if you guys listen to it on headphones, but you do get that panning uh, uh, ability. Um, I I love it when it's such a cheap trick, but good Lord, it is so effective for me. Um, This song also has a little bit of funk to it um, because they're really leaning into that electro synth sound. And in my opinion, I think that... Uh, frontline assembly is really strongest when it doesn't have to overpower you with guitars when it's not needed. Um, maybe I do more hue closer to the electro synth sound when it comes to this particular genre. I felt that that's what made skinny puppy really shine from a lot of their peers. And frontline assembly is essentially, I feel the Megadeth to Skinny Puppies, Metallica. And um, I, I think that uh, Frontline Assembly are strong in what they do, but I just can't help but think they're influenced by the godfathers of really what the industrial sound is when it comes to electro synth. And, you know, because this album is so guitar-driven and it is so indicative of what I kind of more... Uh, what I get more attracted to, but this is probably my favorite track on the record, even though it is a kind of against this whole album's thesis statement of really trying to infuse a guitar driven sound. But this is the one that does it for me. Um, when you give me a Depeche Mode song, kind of done by a warlock, you know, I'm going to buy that ticket and take the ride <laughs> probably 10 out of 10 times. Uh, so, love, yeah, yeah, this is kind of where I, I'm at.
4: I
2: love it, Mark. This this is a great song. Um, I like what it's about. Uh, I like the Lance Hendrickson uh, sample, and yeah, this is um, this is more in line with their earlier work and their later work as it's all electronic. It is I find it fascinating that they were going to make a more synth pop album and then scrapped it, and this is one of the leftovers. Search and Destroy was another one, but they added guitars over this. This is pretty much left untouched, and yeah, it is you know it it does have some depeche mode feels to it and um, and i think it it but it's got a, a real a real hook to it and um and it's 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 almost more mature than their earlier thing, stuff too like they did take a, a little bit of of their more progressive ideas and put it into the song um, and uh it's in a way it could fit nicely on implode or something like that um with the atmosphere and uh the kind of depth to it yeah so exactly S- solid track solid track and that brings us to the penultimate song plasma springs the only song ever to sample both jeff goldblum and ed harris in the same song <laughs> I don't think
3: uh, you, I, I, I actually, I don't think that's true. Those guys are in so many iconic films that can't be right. So,
2: okay. I'll take your word I, for I it, did, it. It was a baseless claim. I, I just, I, I just could, could imagine that cross section happening, but you're right. It probably did. What are the, what are the, what um, are the two samples? So from the fly, Jeff Goldblum says penetration beyond the veil of flesh. Taste not of the plasma spring. And then, uh, from the abyss, you hear, uh, and say, God damn it. Breathe. Um, when he's uh doing that great uh CPR scene from that movie, um, you know, both, both, the, both, also, the, abyss, uh,
3: both the abyss and the fly are perfect, uh, industrial just vibe oh, yeah. films. I, I could see it. Oh, so. yeah! Oh, yeah!
2: Oh, yeah! There's also a clip from Dark Man in here that would be just fine and a tape recorder re- rewinding. Um, for
1: part one or part two, <laughs> the return of Durant
2: <laughs> for the part
3: one is uh,
1: an all timer.
3: It is, and anyone that's never watched Darkman's uh, just uh,
2: they haven't lived. I've never seen a Dark Darkman film. I've never seen one. What is wrong with you? I mean, besides the obvious, why haven't
3: you? I love
1: how (laughs) I love how Eric always makes like uh, superhero films look like Jewish accountants. Darkman, (laughs) Batman, Uh, spider
3: Speaking of speaking of uh, the uh, the uh, one of the original uh, Jewish accountants. Really, Eric, like Dark Man's one even uh, your wife would uh, allow you to watch that she'd enjoy. Yeah.
1: That one's yeah, good. Yeah. That one's really good. It's Liam got, Neeson is great, on fire in that movie. Great
3: Sam Raimi direction. Liam Neeson before he's Liam Neeson. And a uh, friend of the show who I just saw when I rewatched Almost Famous. Uh, what's her name? That uh, Frances McDormand's even in it. Oh, great. Oh, wow. Great. Shit. Yeah. That's right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I have nothing against it. I just, it just hasn't come up. All right, well, it's on my list. And you've got
3: dog. and you've got the bad guy is Dr. Giggles. So there
1: you go. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. LA Law. least remember him from LA Law. Yeah.
2: All right. So you got you got this this elusive Don Harrison is doing the guitar work on this particular song. Uh uh seconds go by, you must uh now you will die. Machine is turned on, you must be strong. Voices I hear, impact is near. Switches are on, it won't be long. Um, this is a song about, it's a callback to search and destroy, uh, humans being turned into robots. This is that whole industrial like cliche of man versus machine. Um, uh, thinly veiled metaphors of human race destroying ourselves with greed uh, uh, and, and, and losing our freedom for power. Um, that brings us to, Steve, what do you think about Plasma Springs? plasma
3: springs well it's uh it's not bad it's kind of a chase scene like it's just it's a lot of forward momentum minimal vocals I don't even know is there even a verse chorus verse thing going on in this one at all or is it like what's the vocal style yeah it
2: has it has a I I would say this does have a pretty distinguished uh, uh Distinguish the sound, you must be strong. Software collides on both it, it's got it's got one of his classic uh just follow me okay. through the chorus things. Yeah. For, for whatever
3: reason, this one didn't just strike a chord with me. it uh, didn't resonate very hard. It just seemed like a like like this is a good song to be in a club scene in a movie like Bad Boys. That's what it, it was to me. It seemed very stock industrial nineties club scene, uh Matrix Bad Boys Blade. I don't know why out of this whole album, for some reason, this, this track just didn't stick to my ribs.
2: Yeah, I think it's not the strongest. Um, It, uh, I think it does. They did know it was towards the end of the album. And uh, I think it does have essentially rising action more than maybe some other tracks uh, as far as they start layering things more towards the end um, there is some pretty great guitar work, like active guitar work at, at times. Um, there is a distinctive chorus, but, uh, fair enough. It's, it's, it's not in the, in the top tracks on here. Um, Mark, what did you think about, uh, Plasma Springs?
1: So, um, I've, uh... I have this theory that industrial music around this time is also around the rise of, um, computer games. Um, so I feel like the melding of doom and quake and those type of games are really starting to influence the type of sound. They're like influencing each other. So I feel like this song is really good for listening while playing a first person shooter. Preferably like in an environment Like you would find in Doom um, This song also Don Harrison's guitar work I think he's on this track Um, But that Correct. Gunter Schultz Sort of influence Of the guitar screeches That you tend to find in um, Mid 90s Early 2000s um, KMFDM records Hey
3: can I uh, Pause you for a second Yeah Gunter Schultz his guitar work is so fun and good that season four, we got to do a KMFDM album that he's on. Oh, sure. That guy is just a unsung, just guitar virtuoso. So many, so many KMFDM songs are heavy, but also groovy because of what he can do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I mean, um, his guitar work on uh, Nihil, Nihill, the album Light, or no, that was the song "Light." Um, yeah, but
3: that song "Light." Yeah, it's a great song. And it just, oh,
1: yeah. But what record am I thinking of? Um, angst, angst. Yeah, angst. I
3: think I think angst was yeah. Light was on angst. And let's yeah. let's just say that the '90s came at DM. The whole ten years of albums there. Gunter Schultz is the why they were so successful.
1: Right. And and I feel like some of the guitar work that you're finding on some of these other bands that are starting to use that guitar sound are taking a look at what uh, KMFDM is doing and how they're incorporating that into their what's, sound.
3: What's amazing about it is that even when they were overly processed, he still had some groove there. Oh, but I think 100%. A, a lot of other bands couldn't find that groove. And I know we mock KMFDM a lot for what they became but they managed to have more groove than a lot of other industrial bands. Now that we're talking about it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, off mic, me and Eric were talking about revisiting some of those albums that we did in our season one, big uh, three episode. So I would imagine as we look forward to future seasons that we will give skinny puppy ministry and KMFDM and the record treatment that we're doing, um, kind of in our new format. Yeah. Um, so I will say that the chorus is catchy on this. However, the lyric run for your lives. If you want to live is, a well, that should <laughs> do quality of lyric. Wow! Yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Um.
3: That kind of goes without saying, I mean, run for <laughs> right. your life. I mean, that's kind of redundant. Yeah. That's, that's pretty bad. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's
2: like
1: it's like he yeah. wrote
2: run for your live and then he watched terminator come with me if you want to live oh that's good that's good <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that's clearly uh a week before final exams sort of uh a lyric that you just kind of like shit man when does this record due? <laughs> um <laughs> uh so one thing that also is worth mentioning is that uh frontline assembly especially in their later works you really have a fixation around mech warfare. Um, I don't know if that's their, are big fans of robot jocks, but I feel like yeah. that whole idea of mechanized warfare, Al- the, like album names,
3: song titles, uh, lyrics, uh, artwork yes. on albums, everything after the year 2000, like every third release has something to do with it.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know if that's just something that they're just like, uh, when they're getting around on a friday night with their friends like you know let's let's throw on the robot jocks and talk about mechs it's
2: like i was saying like that uh, i'm just getting there's always the uh, man versus machine in industrial and uh sometimes it's a metaphor and sometimes it's just bill lieb saying oh yeah cyborgs are hella cool i to where i song about it yeah so
1: hmm yep Yep. Um, so this song doesn't necessarily do it for me. I mean, uh, I will say that as we're getting towards the end of the record, I'm getting a little bit of like, all right, what what else is there to do? Um, not to say that I'm hating any of it, but I'm just now getting like a little wearing out the welcome. And I think it largely is uh, to do with the fact that they really do like to stretch out these six minute long songs, you know,
3: yeah no this album was a third as long if you chopped off a minute off almost every song it probably would be stronger that's my right probably my my biggest complaint if i have any yeah but that's also i don't put that on them that's the genre like uh, so many
1: really is yeah so many
3: of these these for one they were dance tracks so maximize your you know People, once you have a good thing to dance to, keep it going, keep it looping. You're in a dance club, so that, that's part of it. Uh, I don't think these songs are meant to be dissected by a, a podcast of uh, three forty year olds. Are we all forty yet? Is it just me? It's just me, huh? It's just uh, you. I,
1: I'm a couple months away from it, but yeah.
2: Same. No. I'm getting there. Might as well. Dick be. doesn't
3: work anymore. To happen, the day turn forty, <laughs> the dick just doesn't work anymore. It's just sad.
1: You turn into a Cialis commercial, yeah.
3: <laughs> yep, I got a outside right now. I can see my my bathtub that sits on the side of the hill. I go and I sit in that and I
1: look at the sunset. And you've uh, also got a Delta Blues band with your other friends in Auburn.
4: Yep,
3: we're called the uh... Wild Hogs. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, that reminds me that. So my father is a good human being. He recently sold his home and is going to live in his, um his Airstream. And it's a good thing, actually. It's good. There's, there's, there's too many barnacles to his old home. Anyhow, he borrowed a bunch of movies from me and he gave them all back to me and he mixed in a bunch of movies of his that he didn't want anymore. And I was going through them, and there's some great stuff in there. There There's some old John Wayne. There's some really bad, like, bought in the checkout aisle of uh, Ralph's, uh, you know, $3 Blu-rays. Like, uh, movies starring Costner as some kind of disgruntled uh, law man. But, uh, yeah, Wild in there. And I own Wild Hogs now. That's that's it. (laughs) That's my story. Yeah. (laughs)
2: wow
1: as soon as this pandemic ends i feel like we all three need to get together and watch that film
2: (laughs) i i mean i think we should follow it up with old dogs uh (laughs) just one two punch
3: of those shots the shots are almost here all right we got one we got one more track
2: one more track uh track 10 the closer sex offender (laughs) God
1: (laughs) Uh, speaking of (laughs) Marilyn Manson.
3: My note my notes say better you know better song than album or song title.
4: This
2: song is, uh, it starts very ambient, atmospheric. A lot of that is a, they loop this this scene from Fire in the Sky. Great alien abduction movie from the 90s. Um, it's no communion, but a, sure. Yeah, it's pretty good. They loop it um, a few times and then they loop, uh, they sample uh, Reservoir Dogs throughout this whole thing, the whole like uh, Michael Madsen ear torture scene. They loop that throughout this whole thing. But it starts with just this ambient kind of drone thing. The the strings pick up, it builds atmosphere. And then about halfway through, the guitars kick in, these guitar stabs, Uh, you have Devin Townsend again. And um, this this kind of backbeat that's looped from the song Shout by Tears for Fears. And uh, uh, it goes into this just kind of like pretty crisp uh industrial jam as it as it just kind of jams out in, in, instrumentally for the rest of the song um so steve what do you think about sex offender
3: no well, i think it's like i said the better song than it is the title um did you say it, it's shout that's sampled right by tears of fears yeah correct. that's correct yeah. okay the, the way you said that was kind of just like oh yeah this this band with a song called shout i mean that's the Tears for Fears song. Like everybody knows, "Shout."
2: Oh yeah, it's a great song. I like Tears yeah. for Fears a lot.
3: I wouldn't go that far myself, but sure. Um, I think the three minutes of opening noise and weirdness actually, on an album where I've bitched about how long everything seems to be, is well served here. I think. Uh, I think every uh, the song is eight minutes long, and I think it deserves it. Um, I like the extended opening of just chaos and and nonsense. And this track is kind of a culmination of uh, the whole album, which is that, that's fun. You know, the, the opening track kind of sets the stage. And I think the closing track kind of sums up everything the album's done. It's got chunky riffs over almost hip hop ish beats. that are kind of slow. It's got some of my Miami Vice sense that I like, but it's still pretty groovy. And uh, Bill Lieb isn't just shouting over the, the music. The vocals are so heavily processed they become another instrument i, I feel yeah um it's good work I, I i think bill lee his vocals are bad they're not good he's not a good singer he doesn't want to be he doesn't he never said he would be he does his best to use the effects he can to improve his vocals to not not make up for the shortcomings that he's not a good singer because you don't need a good singer for this music that's not the point he does his best to make his vocals another instrument and i think on this track it, it really helps it's pretty cool um the song's very cinematic to me it could roll over the credits of a 90s action movie which getting back to all the samples is perfect very fitting closer i think this could be rolling during the credits of this movie that we just watched uh, good song
2: hey, mark
1: um it's haunted house music at the beginning Um, which really (laughs) does drive home that sample of Tears of Fears' Shout, which, uh, you know, I'm I'm saying Bully for that. It's not just, like, dropping in a sample for me. I'm just hearing it all throughout the entire track. Um, And when you speak of Tears of Fears, I mean, that's a two-piece band that you can really play to your mom. Uh, And just to go on a quick digression, I think Songs from the Big Chair uh has three of the top songs from the 80s that are just absolutely undeniable you've got shout you've got head over heels and you've got everybody wants to rule the world the three fucking monster yeah. tracks if yeah you ask me. I,
2: I i think they're great
4: shout, shout.
1: I, I just really want to know the origin story for this song. Like was like, uh, Reese Fulber and Bill Lieb just sitting around listening to shout and, and like one of them said, Hey, Hey, grab me that guitar. Let, let me, let me, let me do something fun. And just like chunk, 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 chunk. chunk. Um, because that's essentially, I feel like how they, they came about this.
2: Well, they had Devin um, do it. They had Devin Townsend. do it. Hey, Devin, come over here and chunk, chunk a little bit along with this.
1: Yeah. Um, because I don't hear just like the, the the one sample. I'm hearing shout like pretty much all throughout this this track. Yeah. Um. It's an interesting way to end in, in the the record. Um. I don't mind it, but it just makes me want to listen to uh, those three tracks that I mentioned by Tears for Fears back to back.
4: <laughs>
1: and do yeah. will be surprised if in season four we talk about songs from the Big Chair. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, it's 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 a it's a good closer. I I see what you mean, Steve. It it is a track that breathes, which this album, maybe with the exception of this faith, doesn't let the songs breathe. I mean, they're long, but they're they're active, they're exciting. There's not a lot of uh, downtime, and this gives you that in the beginning. You know, of course, if you're gonna have a uh, Reservoir Dogs and Fire in the Sky in the same song, and in samples, that's gonna warm my heart. Um, and it does just get into like it just gets into this groove towards the end that is is pretty undeniable um good little closer uh yeah so that's that sex offender don't know why they called it that but i'm sure they had their reasons uh there were a couple bonus tracks from this album that came out on the expanded version uh one song called internal combustion and a song called trans time And uh, both are great songs. They sound like they would fit perfectly. Uh, A little redundant. Both sound like other songs that are already on the album. Uh, Trans Time does have a prong sample from another worldly device. That's kind of fun. Uh, Prong. Prong. Snap your
1: fingers, snap your neck.
2: Right, right. Um, Yeah, so that is this particular album. Uh, Guys, let's go ahead and rink it. Oh,
3: first, uh, this is the album that this season made me wish that we had, uh, tens, uh, one to 10 to pick from. I feel like one to five doesn't, uh, help me kind of like you know, get, get into my issues with it, which I don't have many. Uh, I, I wish I had more slots to kind of grade it better. Um, I'm giving oh, yeah. it a two,
2: how many, uh, I, I had to think of a rating thing. I almost dropped the ball on that one. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. How many out of five uh, cybernetic fingers would you give this this album?
3: I'd give it 2.75 cybernetic fingers, but that, I, I feel like that's not fair. But that, that's only because, I, I guess a three would be, you know what? No, a three. I give it a three. It's good, but I feel like we're going to give a lot of threes this season for albums that are just good and I, I wish that we had 10 slots to kind of uh collaborate a little bit better uh, um i like it a lot but it's not my favorite frontline assembly album by a long shot and some of its detriments are not its detriments as much as it is the uh the genre you know just a lot of songs are just too goddamn long but i i feel like they were doing what was expected of, of them not uh, you know, I, I don't think they were trying to pad the, the 74 minutes just to put a CD out there that had 74 minutes of music. They probably were trying to pad it so it could be played in clubs. Uh, but the, the the riffs are good. The samples are fun. Uh, the fact that it is very much a, a sister to some Fear Factory albums that I like is, is great. So it's a strong three. It, it, even in talking about it right now, it's a, it went from a 2.75 to a strong three. So there you go.
2: Good. Mark.
1: I'm right there along with Steve. Um, it's not my favorite. So I give it a 3.0. Uh, I don't think it's indicative of uh frontline assembly by any means. Um, it's not a bad record at all. I mean, I, I didn't never not enjoy this record, but I feel if I want to listen to frontline assembly, I'm probably gonna reach for one of those that don't necessarily put the guitars at the first and uh, uh, front of the mix. I think that that is a little bit of a distracting um, element. And I do understand while some of their fans were uh, a little less than enthusiastic about this record because it just doesn't seem to fit them um, as they're experimenting with that new aggressive sound. Um, I I do think that I I agree with the fact that it was kind of a transitional record for them as they were trying to explore new sounds and seeing how they can fit into the new genre of where industrial music was going. Um, But it's not one of the records that I feel that is one of their strongest, but I see where um, they were going with it. And um, for that reason alone, I think that it's in the middle of the pack of what I've heard from Frontline Assembly. Um, So that's why I give it a three.
3: Yeah, I think it it almost sounds more like Fear Factory than it does Frontline Assembly, which is not a problem for me. Uh, I think that anybody that likes this should check out Fear Factory. Uh, I mean, have you guys uh, listened to any of the Fear Factory albums from around this era at all?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it? The uh, De Deacons? Was it? Uh,
1: D-Manufacture.
2: D-Manufacture's. Uh, yeah,
1: I think album. that's the that's one. That's a good one. And the one before that one I, as well. One had a blue cover, and then one had a kind of like an orangey brown cover. Those are the two records. Okay, I D-Manufacture
3: the had the bluish cover. It's purplish. Uh-huh. and the orange one was obsolete which had the cars cover on it which is their
1: big hit that's that's the two because they were they were part sport. of the
3: whole you know the late night the middle late 90s if you covered an 80s song you had a hit and that goes for fear factory coal chamber orgy orgy <laughs> yep coal chamber did uh peter Gabriel's shock the monkey if you remember that's true that's with true. ozzy osborne on vocals mm-hmm. uh anyhow though that's that's eric or that's mark and i eric what do you think? yeah
2: so for me like just to give a little context here i don't think i like uh frontline assembly is is in a very short period of time has become near and dear to my heart but even their best albums which i would call like uh uh implode uh i would call caustic grip i would call uh echo genetic even those would 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 fall short of a five just because you know bill leaves vocals work for what they're doing but um it is not a strong suit necessarily, you know, lyrically. Um, there is, you know, it's not perfect. Um, so, so usually a four or four, or four or five for their best albums, just to give you a little context. Um, this particular one, it, I, I find it uh, absolutely fascinating. The sample situation, um, I, I, I like and respect. Um, it, it, adds a layer of fun to it. And there are like four or five songs on here that are absolute earworms. Um, I will go ahead and give this one a, uh, 3.5 out of five. Um, and I think you guys are very generous with your threes. Thank you. I appreciate you, uh, giving it, giving it the old college try. Well, I mean, this, you know, we're never here to
3: please each other. I'm, 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 I'm hoping one day I get an album that just, just, uh, pisses someone off um I thought that was gonna be the last one that went over better than I expected um but 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 also I think frontline assembly yeah they're a good band they're a good band they're workmanlike is the word for them I think they're journeymen they're workmanlike they never they never really like hit high highs that I've ever heard but they never hit low lows either they're just steady as she goes so sure yeah
2: yeah uh they're they're very constant they're they're absolutely um but yeah so thank you guys uh i think it's a like i said the guitar and industrial in an old industrial band caused a a wave of controversy in 1994 um i thought it i thought it made for an interesting uh chat um but for guys like us that came up with guitars and industrial it's kind of like <laughs> really you uh <laughs> gatekeepers like yeah there there's like like any fandom there you're going to have your gatekeepers that are like uh you know even still like oh god yeah once they added guitars it all went downhill oh I
1: all right know. so
3: we're we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice now and after so much dyed black hair I am I'm I'm trying to will a uh a Les Claypool or a Jim Morrison or a Willie Nelson okay. or a Stevie Wonder even. Let's see what it, happens.
2: to be fair Bill Bill's always had uh platinum blonde hair.
3: Oh good yes. for him. Yeah he's also had many soul patches and bad uh lady labia- uh uh, what LeBray piercing you said, Laby,
2: Laby up your Hey, man, that's fine. That's fine. All right, here's what we got we have 14. from to 14,
1: Fourteen. is right. One of my picks. It kind of gets us out a little out of the um, the darkness, but not completely. It is a record from June 6, two thousand, uh, by the band Murder City Devils. Hey, all right. And that album is In Name and Blood. Oh, that's fantastic!
2: Fun.
3: Fantastic. That's fine. I could. We could do that one tomorrow. That's fun. All right, <laughs> all right. so. I suggest because their albums go by so quickly, we should listen to all their records. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> it won't take long. I mean, yeah, take- I, uh, I, I probably will. That's yeah. like ninety minutes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. oh, that's yeah. fun. That, 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 that's good. Yeah, it's a little. That's uh, definitely going to be more rocking. It's uh, got some punk swagger. It's there's still going to be some dark themes, but uh, yeah, oh, that's great. Good.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about some Murder City Death. Uh- murder city devils and they're, um, one of their great records in name and blood. And, uh, this has been Mark, Eric, Stephen, And we hope that we brought you closer to pod. Keep your knees high.
0: About, uh, I was talking with Bill concerning the video virus. It's a mix between Terminator and Twin Peaks. He was asking me if I saw Twin Peaks. Yes. Yeah. The point is that after. After uh, Laura Palmer, after they found the killer, it, the show died. And, uh, yeah. and that's it. And Terminator. Who shot the video? Um, actually, a guy named Gary Smith. He does all the skinny puppy videos and stuff. And uh, parts of that uh, video were outtakes from a, mo- a movie that's going to be made that. Uh, I'm actually gonna be in. So we did some outtakes, because it was a three-minute trailer and it's called Chunk Blower, and uh, that's where most of that footage came from. So in your project, you can start. To do